Extra credits. I'm Trey. And I'm Kelsey. So Creed 3 is sick. Yes. <laughs> I'm so excited. I know. Um, there were a ton of important themes in this movie. There are interesting character arcs. Mm-hmm. But I just want to go out and say that this is probably the best IMAX experience I've had in years. Years. A long time. Yeah. The Okay. So the last IMAX movie we saw. Was it Maverick? I think it was Top Gun. Yeah. It had no, to be. wait. Did we see Avatar in IMAX? Uh, no. Regular theater. Oh, no. We missed it. We tried yeah. to get tickets. But yeah, I feel like the feelings that people describe after seeing Top Gun Maverick while mm-hmm. I really liked that movie those are the feelings I got from Creed 3 100% okay so that is what you're going into today at least for me I feel like people <laughs> are kind of underselling this movie like it feel like feels like you need to see it in theaters yeah. like when people talked about Maverick that way I want to talk about this movie on our show that way so if you follow our show on Letterboxd which if you don't you can check the description and follow us but if you follow the show, you know we've been watching all of the Rocky and Creed movies for about Some, two yeah, weeks two now. In, two in one night sometimes. Yeah. We pushed through, and <laughs> we were preparing for this podcast, and we were just going to do a Creed 3 review, but now we're really going to get into it. Like, we're going to talk about the cultural significance of Rocky and Creed, our experience with Creed 3, which will have spoilers, mm-hmm. and at the end of the pod... <laughs> We're both going to rank the nine movies in this franchise. I am so interested to see where you're at. Trey and I really were careful not to talk a lot about the movies at the end yes. of each of our viewings. Which is hard because we live together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but we tried our best to not give away you know, where we're at. And I really feel like I, I don't know for you. I think we're going to disagree on one or two based on like our reactions during a movie that I experienced. Yeah. It's also <laughs> an interesting exercise to do the Rocky and Creed movies yeah. um, together. I mean, I, we consider them the same franchise because they are, but I think some people would have like issues with ranking Rocky and Creed movies because yeah. they're, they come at a different time. I count the Creed movies as like, like legacy sequels, a yeah. part of the franchise. So I think it's totally fine. Agreed. So I think to fully appreciate Creed 3 outside of its cinematic power because it's so good, I think we have to talk about the themes of this franchise, the kind of historical context of these movies, which makes me think the best thing to do is go back and talk about the Rocky movies. Yeah. So the Rocky movies were on at my house growing up like every week, like literally every week. That's so interesting. Yeah. My parents love the franchise, especially my dad who loves Stallone's and like Apollo's relationship, or I guess Rocky and Apollo's relationship. And actually in doing research, I saw that Ryan Coogler said the same thing about his home and that his dad always had a Rocky two playing on at his house because it was his favorite movie. And Coogler said he liked the franchise growing up like his father, but he like related more to Apollo and he was kind of mystified by his dad's love of these movies, which I found fascinating. That's so interesting that you both have that in common. I wonder how many other people had Rocky on literally every week in their house. I only saw pieces of Rocky movies growing up 
and just like reruns. And Mm -hmm. so when they were on, it was like my parents or someone saying like, you have to see this, you haven't seen this. And I feel like I saw so many pieces of the movies and really only saw them all the way through maybe once or twice. Okay. Interesting. When you're, when you're rewatching them, could you like remember some scenes, but not remember what movie they were in? Yes. Okay. I see. And I thought there was something very millennial about Kugler's relationship to Rocky. So I kept that in mind the past few weeks while watching all of these again. And in rewatch of Rocky and Creed, I was curious about two things. One, would the emotional beat still hit? And two, how will my adult brain negotiate the emotional beats with the racial elements that have been rightly criticized and sometimes oddly glorified for decades now? And I will say, I think for both of us, the emotional beats definitely still work, especially like with Rocky, Adrian, Mick, and Apollo. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I think it's obvious and clear that Ryan Coogler corrected the racial elements of the Rocky franchise and restored the universe to a, a less complicated place yeah. with Creed. Because, man, even though some of the Rocky movies are great stories and they have a certain style to them that are easy to come back to and they're short and they're tight at 90 minutes, some of the shit in this Rocky franchise is tough. Yeah, yeah, it's obvious with characters like Clubber Lang, who yeah. is has been talked about just more widely as a example of racism within the Rocky franchise. Yeah. But there are also rewatching the movies a lot of other issues with yeah. with the franchise. Yeah, there's so much more than just that. Like I've been obsessively reading and trying to understand the historical context of the 70s and 80s reaction to the racial and ethnic dynamics of the Rocky movies because I was convinced that these movies had to have been criticized for their portrayal of everyone who isn't white. And there was definitely criticism in the seventies and eighties over these movies. So I think to understand the power of this new Creed trilogy, I want to unpack a little bit why and how these original Rocky movies were so financially and critically successful. Yeah. I'll let you take the lead on this here and I'll just share what I noticed as I was watching it throughout the franchise since I think you went back to read more of the reviews. Yeah, sure. So I think, you know, at minimum, we should probably note that all the Rocky movies are legitimately good. Yeah. Even Rocky five, which I think is a controversial take, but I think that movie is good. (laughs) Tommy Gunn. Yeah. I'm I'm not opposed to Tommy Gunn's storyline, but I think what all the Rocky movies are successful at is exploring poverty. And they are great at illustrating what a lack of opportunity does to someone, Mm -hmm. like having to resort to illegal activity or alcohol abuse or just like grueling physical labor. And then more specifically, the fact that all these stories feel true is probably because they take place during this like deindustrialized urban plight 70s era of Philadelphia. And then on top of all this like authentic urban decay and this environment, I think the movies at their core are like really well intended in how they portray a failed economy, especially Mm -hmm. in like how an exploitative system can pit people in poverty against one another. That's done really well, especially in the first two films. Yeah. Actually, as you were talking, I was just going to say, I think Rocky one and two go into this idea where Rocky can't get an office job. Right. And is almost forced to go back into boxing to make a living. Right. And that idea kind of gets lost as we go more and more into the franchise. Yes. And but also what I'm assuming you're about to talk about, Rocky doesn't even in one and two really tackle the idea of the multiple obstacles that each character has to face, especially Apollo. Yeah. Well, I don't know if Rocky understands social hierarchy, like as mm-hmm. a franchise, but like I think even a child can see the movies are mostly blind to systemic discrimination or 
maybe even ambivalent to social hierarchies in regards to race. And we're going to get into that today because, you know, these movies are kind of subversive and commercially shady because each story tries to convince the viewer that the left out racial issues of the 70s are secondary to this like sentimental core of Rocky Mm -hmm. and this like one man's journey. Yeah, it's like sold as an underdog story. Yeah, exactly. And I think all six of the Rocky movies are trying to persuade the viewer to sympathize with Rocky as this likable, well-meaning underdog, hoping that you like want him to succeed with Adrian, whose character is also sort of an afterthought by Stallone, who wrote these films. So I think white audiences or anyone who has been like economically disadvantaged is likely to feel for Rocky and want him to succeed. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about Rocky, I guess, as like a victim first, because he kind of is portrayed as a victim in each movie. And his character is at the center of this like undefeated sports movie narrative, which is like a very profitable formula in Hollywood, even pre-Rocky. And all these themes in Rocky are held together by this boxing formula. He's like forced to fight seemingly unbeatable opponents in each movie. And that all works really well. And then on top of the plot, you're hit with this incredible score yeah. <laughs> uh, in each film. Like there's this great sound mix in every movie and there are these memorable hall of fame level training montages. And then you have these like massive epic battles at the end that are both corny yet effective. And all these movies just feel really effortless in how they like conclude with these climactic showdowns that never really fail to wow you because (laughs) most of the fights are just really well-crafted and Rocky screaming for Adrian at the end. Yo, (laughs) Adrian! I knew that was coming. Uh, (laughs) Just screaming for Adrian at the end of most of these movies really, really works. Yeah, and I I think that you're right. Like with a sports model, it it almost can't fail like Mm -hmm. because there's the momentum built in the story. Right. And we have to talk about some of the training montages. I love all of them. Um, but my guy has to have like knee problems. Okay. (laughs) The technique in these montages is wild. Um, I forget what Rocky movie it was where he had like a tree trunk on the back of his shoulders. I think it was a couple of them. Yeah. He was just like jumping around. (laughs) I mean, someone tell us, is that okay? Like I feel like his knees are no one needs to tell us it's not okay. (laughs) Um, but yeah. Okay. Let's, before we get into the cool stuff, I want to talk about how it's complicated first, because I think where Rocky, is more complicated is how it handles identity, mm-hmm. which I think is why Ryan Coogler made Creed in the first place. It's been well documented that Rocky perpetuates like a false seventies narrative in a post civil rights era that white men are the underdogs mm-hmm. because black men have power. And it's pretty easy to see how Stallone wrote Rocky to speak to an insecure and vulnerable middle-class, but obviously white demographic during this era. And because the movie's, target that audience rocky becomes like an a really fascinating reflection of a time and its sequels continue this narrative driven by racial conflict and the movies then kind of rationalize and justify a very serious like white pride counterculture movement in the 70s yeah like when you look at rocky as this white underdog a committed patriot he's like prepared to fight for his country in these movies he's fighting for his religion he's fighting for his wife so like literally in the character design rocky becomes like this interesting cultural artifact and time capsule of a moment and you don't really even have to dissect rocky or re-examine the character with like our current political lens which i'm not doing right now it would be really easy to but you don't need to because even then in the 70s and 80s the rocky franchise was criticized for cashing in on like a white angst in this like post civil rights era 
And then Stallone, who I'm, I was curious in doing research for this, like wondering if he was ever asked about this, mm. has kind of confirmed these issues about the movie. He said at the time that he wrote Rocky as someone who was optimistic during a difficult time. That's a lot is there. A lot is implied there. Mm -hmm. And he wrote him as someone who believed in the American dream and someone who had faith. And he said he was inspired by the flipping, you know, kind of the narrative of modern 70s movies. He didn't really like how the movies were filled with paranoia and fear, which is what I love about the 70s movies. <laughs> All the paranoid ones are my favorite. Uh, but I'm assuming he meant like civil rights, a failing economy with stagflation, Vietnam, Watergate, like a lot of things going on. And he kind of wanted to subvert that with his hero story. So I think Stallone implies that he wanted to make a patriotic hero story that spoke to a demographic who felt like they were no longer seen or on top. Yeah. And, you know, without breaking down each line of like racially charged dialogue or situations in every single Rocky movie, there is like a black boxer who is inevitably humbled by a white challenger. It yeah. is like clockwork in the plot each time. And going back to 1976, with the original Rocky, it's kind of wild looking back at the love for that movie, even in the Academy, like Rocky won best picture. It was competing with all the president's men, taxi driver network. Crazy. Like yeah. Lumet. Are you kidding me? So, I mean, the original Rocky is a great movie. Don't get me wrong, mm -hmm. but I think it's success really represents a time again, like just like this, like wounded white ego from black communities gaining more representation and power. I'm not the first person to say this, like just Google that <laughs> and read the academic essays on this. It's been <laughs> written about for decades. And I don't think it's that too big of a leap to talk about these kind of things like leading up to Creed three, because we have to kind of consider how Apollo Creed is treated as a character. Like how did this Creed franchise come to be? And if you look at how Apollo is treated in these Rocky movies in the script and on the screen, th that is the reason why there are three Creed movies right now. Yeah. Yeah. Like Apollo is written as someone who believes he is the all American hero, not this Italian white man. And Apollo wants to beat Rocky so that he and everyone knows the world now belongs to a black man who is both patriotic and a serious capitalist. So I think what's obvious about the Apollo character is that he is a kind of a white man's ideal of a black man. And I think to better to best understand this, I think it's best to get like a black person's perspective on this. And in the time, I recommend people go back to read negative reactions to the Apollo character and how Stallone wrote him, specifically Muhammad Ali, who Stallone used as the major inspiration for Apollo. Like Ali said when watching Rocky II with Roger Ebert, of all people, <laughs> um, that for the black man to come out superior in a fight against Rocky Balboa would be against America's teachings. Mm. And Ali went on to talk about how he's been so great in boxing that Hollywood had to create a white image like Rocky to counteract Ali's image in the ring. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I found that conversation really enlightening. I'll link it in the description of the pod. There's some insightful quotes in there I think people would enjoy. Like, especially at the end, Ali goes to talk on about like how Rocky isn't this rare depiction of a character that feeds a counter narrative to people of color gaining agency, but rather like Rocky is the norm and has been for a long time. Mm -hmm. And he says that America loves to have its white images to keep its people happy, like Jesus, Wonder Woman, Tarzan, and now Rocky. Yeah, I think you could point to other characters too, right? Where we have this idea that we have an underdog and the characters are, you know, facing obstacles in various ways, mm -hmm. but it is sold as an American dream story where the, I guess, characters or story is actually just representative of a majority of the country who's in power already. And mm -hmm. so the stories don't end up 
looking at this idea of the myth of meritocracy, right? Or like the nuance of how our character like Rocky or insert another character was able to rise to success or why Mm. the audience is celebrating this specific story. Exactly. I mean, these movies literally center around a working class white ethnic boxer that is exploring masculinity sort of, and it is a powerless white class that the movie is speaking to. And that is literal box office and Oscars bait. And Rocky is a good movie. And I think Rocky two does what Rocky one wants to do a little bit better. Mm -hmm. I would actually say Rocky two is basically Rocky part two because it kind of um, fixes a lot of things from the first movie. But I think both of these movies are more interesting as historical artifacts of white pride and humiliation. Yeah. Rocky one and two are interesting, especially because Rocky two, like you said, it's an extended story where in the first part, which I remember kind of being slow when I was younger, Mm -hmm. it, actually had some like interesting ideas going on where Rocky cannot get an office job. And, and we'll talk about it more when we get to our rankings. But then when we get Rocky three, what you're talking about with this, like white pride is especially Mm -hmm. obvious to me with the decisions made. And it almost doubles down on the wrong themes of the Rocky franchise that are subtly there or clearly there in one and two. Probably the most clearly, I think in Rocky three, Stallone, writes Rocky as someone who needs Apollo to succeed so that the white champion can defeat the opposite of the white man's ideal of Apollo, like the pretty rough caricature of Clubber Lang, Mm -hmm. who I think most critics have talked about, even those who like the movie, as this like gross caricature with tons of stereotypes, like Lang is hypersexualized and has anger issues. Like it's just a terrible written character. Yeah, and like the writing of Clubber Lang talking to Adrian. Yeah, exactly. But I think what makes Rocky Three even more complicated is that after being trained by Apollo, Rocky fights Lang in the final act and Rocky dances, he talks trash and he ultimately tells Lang, you ain't so bad. And Rocky is written as being a better black boxer than Apollo himself which is like a common narrative we've seen retold since Rocky, like real life imitating art in Larry Bird and the NBA or Eminem and rap. Mm -hmm. So I think Rocky three is famously now a a cultural mess. And then with Rocky four, there was like cold war propaganda, but (laughs) that aside, uh, that's a whole other conversation, another podcast. Um, I think this movie, that's the second half of this podcast. Get ready for it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Extra credits after dark cold war propaganda. Uh, I think the movie basically begins with Drago murdering Apollo in the ring. And Apollo is like, it's tough. Cause like as much as Carl Weathers tried his best to humanize the character, Apollo just becomes a plot vehicle in all four of these movies. And that's super clear in Rocky four. Mm-hmm. He's just there to highlight Rocky's greatness. Like Apollo literally dies so that Rocky can be motivated. And, and just when you think like this franchise has learned its lesson because you see a lot less of these problematic storylines in Rocky five, sort of, you get to Rocky Balboa, which I remembered before rewatching it recently as being one of the more underrated Rocky films. But in revisiting it, like Rocky comes out of retirement to challenge the black champion Mason, the line Dixon, which has to go down as like one of the weirdest names in any movie I've ever seen. Like mm-hmm. I, I do not understand the subtext of this character's name or Stallone's intention. Yeah, which I and tried a really to find. underdeveloped character too. Completely. I mean, the guy is actually a real life boxer and that was kind of cool to see a real life boxer in a Rocky movie, but I just did not understand the character. There are so many questionable decisions in Balboa, which is sad because again, I was most excited to rewatch this one, hoping it had aged better, but you basically have Stallone's like best speech and best acting in decades to his son as a monologue 
to like tell a younger generation to stop complaining. And then you have Balboa humbling the world champion and Mason Dixon going the distance at like yeah. 60 years yeah. old. <laughs> um, so all that to say about Rocky, I think Ryan Coogler obviously sees all this. He watches all these movies over the past few decades and he goes from making one of the most important movies of this century in Fruitvale Station, a movie literally about systemic discrimination to then revitalizing and correcting the Rocky franchise that has been at minimum like ignorant to its role in racism. So Coogler takes on Creed in 2015 and he sort of like reclaims the Creed name and the mythos of Hollywood and the culture at large. And I think he successfully reestablishes Apollo as this like mischaracterized black man through Michael B. Jordan's Adonis. So let's talk about Creed. Yeah. So we want to talk about Creed one and two. Yeah. Just one and two right now, then we'll get to three. So the first Creed comes to us in 2015. I saw it on opening day with my family. I love that you saw it on Thanksgiving, right? Mm -hmm. That's when it came out. Um, because the line in like Rocky one where he's like, to you, it's Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> to me, it's a Thursday. Love that line. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, you know, Creed has all the plot and cinematic beats from the Rocky franchise that are hard not to appreciate. And I've seen Creed now like four times. And each time I watch it, I forget how nuanced it is thematically. I always just expect the Rocky themes that aren't that nuanced. But I think this movie is at its best when it, it's exploring masculinity and identity, mm -hmm. which is what Rocky really struggled with. So watching Adonis go on this journey from denying his identity and who his father is to accepting and forgiving his father really works um, on rewatch. And I'm surprised it's like held up really well because there is also this like meta subplot about Rocky uh, accepting his own mortality, which has more layers to it than I remember. Yeah. It's like they should have skipped Rocky Balboa. And, yeah, and well, gone here because yeah. the, the <laughs> you will talk about it. We'll get yeah. to that in my <laughs> rankings. Uh, and you know, just to add, I want to talk about Ryan Coogler for a second. He said he was inspired to make Creed by his father, who was like Rocky to him in real life. Hmm. He said he was strong and he associated his physical strength with masculinity. But when his dad got sick and he passed away before he wrote Creed, and Coogler said that informed a lot of his writing for Adonis and Rocky. And that makes the movie even more powerful to me because we get a transformed, evolved hero's journey with Adonis and you can feel the evolution right from the jump. Like the opening shot of Rocky is a shot of Jesus Christ and Creed, the opening shot is a sequence where young Adonis is fighting in juvie. So Coogler right away establishes the nuance of marginalization mm -hmm. and what that looks like and removes the sentimentality of Rocky and he replaces it with like new and greater stakes. Yeah, and the scene in Juvie comes back thematically in Creed 3. Yeah, agreed. And we're going to get into that today. But before we do, one thing did strike me with the original Creed, which was that a lot of people watch this movie as like Stallone, his Rocky being almost like a father to Adonis and the movie being about Rocky's guilt for not throwing in the towel. But I actually think Creed has more to say that's a little bit angrier at Rocky than we think. Like after listening to Coogler through the years, to me, I think Creed is really trying to redeem Apollo by like asking Stallone's Rocky to pay his dues for what he did. Like you can kind of see it in the writing throughout Creed, the news and people in Philly say Apollo is one of the greatest boxers ever, if not the best boxer ever. Like casually people are saying that and no one really addressed Apollo like that in the Rocky films, not to my knowledge. I don't really remember it like that. So to me, Apollo is really written as a boxer who's going past his time in the Rocky films, like until his literal death. So I think my relationship 
to the Rocky franchise really changes with this first Creed. Like when I rewatched these Rocky movies again, I saw that Stallone had like a debt to repay with how he as the like writer and director of most of these movies really profited off of racial anxieties. And when he reappears in Coogler's films, I think he's kind of just amending his wrongdoings. Like that's mm-hmm. how I'm reading these movies now. So if the original Rocky movies were kind of complicit or even at worst contributed to the white like ethnic pride movement of the 70s and 80s, the Creed movies today, I think, kind of reflect where we are with civil rights, especially in 2015 with the original one and Black Lives Matter movement, like standing against a form of white ethnic pride movements, like these resurgences of white nationalism that are happening worldwide. I do think those things are being addressed subtly in these Creed films, especially in its treatment of Rocky. And just to add, because, you know, it's been a set of time, but I do want to say it, Ryan Coogler, what he's done to subvert like American cinematic traditions now with both Creed and Black Panther Mm, is wild in such a short time. Like he's authentically creating these stories and allowing black characters to be something more than a plot device or an obstacle for white protagonists. And that's just like really historically significant. We don't talk about it enough because the context of Creed and Black Panther is so important. Yeah, and you can see that Black Panther and the first Creed especially are sharing a lot of similar themes, right? Mm -hmm. With Creed, when we open in the jail, we see how circumstance dictates opportunity and even more so in Creed 3 that we're going to talk about today, just like we we see in Black Panther in the opening. And that's what we miss in the Rocky movies and what they should be about. Like it it seems like they would be on that track, especially where we're talking about Rocky one and two with class stratification. But again, it just never explores the multiple layers of oppression specifically with race. Totally. Yeah. And I guess we should say that Coogler was only a producer on Creed two and three and then help with the story on three, which did seem obvious when watching three, Mm -hmm. but we have to note that Coogler set the framework for this whole Creed trilogy. Like, which has now evolved, you know, the original Creed's themes by creating this really effective through line of searching for one's identity and reclaiming false narratives of a past history. Like each movie is kind of about that. And in a way, the Creed trilogy has turned into like one of the most important millennial stories, which is so cool Mm -hmm. because Coogler, you know, he's a millennial and he's talked about how he was speaking to millennial anxieties in the first Creed. And you can feel that immediately knowing that Adonis grew up as a teenager and a young adult in a privileged environment is important because when you see him turn down a bonus and a promotion in that finance job, whatever that was, yeah, in the first movie, that is definitely something millennials struggle acknowledging and accepting, which is like fighting for one's dream and then moving forward to that dream. And, you know, maybe not wanting more for themselves because of societal pressures that want them to stay in place. So seeing Kugler acknowledge his generation by saying, yes, we have debts like emotional and financial, but we have to accept those and make something of our own. I just love that. And it's true to his life because I believe he was a, a finance major who, who then went to film school. Oh, so it's pretty cool. I didn't see him talk about the movie uh, as addressing millennial anxieties, but it makes sense that he's talked about that because, you know, he's talking about this idea of wanting more than like punching a clock mm-hmm. for people. And though I think it is important to, to just say, right, that that's not necessarily realistic for a lot of people, which right. Kugler tackles in his movies, right? Like in Creed 1, right after he quits his job and goes to the gym, Duke's son says, you need to leave because the people in this room who are fighting don't have a choice. Right. And then also in Creed 3, which we're about to get into, his past or the choice or opportunity that he has literally comes back to haunt him. Yeah, yeah, literally. Uh, Okay, last thing before Creed 3. I think what's special 
with how this franchise has been restored is that Apollo gave Rocky a career at the beginning of this franchise in the first Rocky movie. And he gives Rocky a chance to be something. And I think that gets forgotten or lost because Apollo becomes Rocky's friend and Rocky takes over the franchise and then Mm -hmm. Apollo dies. But then if you look at the Creed franchise too, Adonis saves Rocky from his own death with cancer in Creed. And he gives Stallone like another shot at success, which again, I think that is just so fitting considering the franchise. Like if you didn't know already listeners, Stallone had the only Oscar nomination from the whole Creed movie, which shouldn't be too surprising considering the Oscar voters. So it is kind of wild seeing Coogler take the high road and correcting history like this, because I think it really makes the franchise become beautiful in a way it connects Rocky and Creed in a way I didn't think was possible pre the Creed movies. But honestly, like Coogler could have just destroyed Rocky and Stallone's whole career if he really wanted to. He could have wrote a script that sought revenge for what Stallone did and taking advantage of black communities in the 70s and 80s. And instead, Coogler takes literally the high road. And I think he'll be kind of an icon for that and for what he did with Creed. Yeah. And we've talked about how Creed is an evolution or a correction of the Rocky franchise. Mm. But I view Adonis Creed, right, as... Apollo's son like as his own story yeah um but I just thought of this as you were talking do you think people would go to see like an Apollo like not prequel but I guess like Apollo story what do you mean like when he's younger I guess maybe an Apollo prequel yeah like in a prequel yeah. absolutely yeah like when he meets Duke and Duke yes. becomes his trainer yeah that would be sick yeah sign me up yeah. I think it's possible they could do <laughs> something like that I heard Michael B. Jordan might be doing spinoff movies. Oh, yeah. So I, I saw that Creed 4 was confirmed, right, on our way to the theater. To confirmed? See. Is it confirmed? Oh. Okay. I think it's a rumor. Oh, right rumored. Now. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I just saw the, the tweet. Heard it here really, first. I didn't confirmed. read the full tweet. Okay. Well, a uh, possible Creed 4 <laughs> confirmation. But when I saw the spinoff uh, comment, mm-hmm. I was thinking, okay, maybe we would see new boxers like Felix in Creed three. Um, but an Apollo prequel would be awesome. Uh, I I mean, sign me up for both. Okay. Should we do it? Let's do it. Creed three. I spent the last seven years of my life living out my wildest dreams. Bianca, Rocky, my dad, this was built on their shoulders. Hey, my man, can I help you? Let me get an autograph. Nah, I ain't signing an autograph. So you get off my car. You don't remember me, huh? Damn you. How long were you locked up? 18 years, bro. Just got out last week. Glad to have you back out, huh? I know I've been away a long time, but I kept myself in shape. I still got gas in the tank. Come by the gym. Thank you. Curious what happened with you two? I didn't tell you. We was like brothers. I was the best, though. Man, I never got a chance to prove that. That's cute. I know what you're doing, Donnie. You don't owe this to nothing. Damien's fighting the world, and he's trying to hurt people. I vouch for you. You think you mad? Try spending half your life in a cell. Why can't somebody else live your life? I'm coming for everything. You threatening me? Something is going on with you. Damien was like family. 
we pass talking. Then maybe you just have to find out. Do what I gotta do. Some of my methods, you might disagree with me. These are family ties. I recognize mine. I know that they needed me. Traumatic stress, watch it manifest. Got my only fear. I ain't scared of death. Did you hear me yet? I ain't scared of death. Did you hear me yet? What you gonna do? Threaten to take my breath? I need you to take away your fear. Take away the guilt. Let go of whatever was and walk into what is. I feel those chains are breaking, yeah. I fear God, I don't fear death. I see those stripes and take a step. We're out here punching trees. <laughs> We're pulling airplanes. Before we talk about Creed 3, which I loved, if you can't tell, um, <laughs> I want to talk about what our expectations were going in. Okay. So. I was expecting to love Jonathan Majors. Yeah. Obviously. For sure. Um, but I also just thought, you know, since we have watched all of the Rocky movies like this whole week mm -hmm. uh, and then the Creed movies too, I was like, okay, what kind of plot beats is this movie going to repeat? Right. Mm -hmm. Especially yeah. since Creed 2 felt more interested in a traditional sports movie plot, I think, than Creed 1 did to me. Mm -hmm. um, or at least I felt those beats a little bit stronger. And I was like, okay, where are we going with Creed 3 or the franchise? Right, same. I was expecting similar plot beats as the first two movies. I think this movie, Creed 3, was the biggest surprise I've had at a theater in a few months, which is nice. Like the cinematography and the choreography was fantastic. Mm -hmm. The mirror shadow theme and the what if between Adonis and Dame is mm -hmm. really incredible. And there's like so much deserved tension in their relationship. So I loved the duo. Yeah, I'm definitely going to talk about that as we get into it today. But mm -hmm. before the movie, I think as we were driving there, I was like, okay, do you think it will be fight, lose, yeah. fight, win? Or yeah. do you think they'll develop their friendship? And then we have like a major fight at the end. Yeah, and yeah. I was kind of like plugging and playing different beats of Rocky and Creed and, and just boxing, sporting movies in general. And they do kind of like mimic a few other plots sure. and other movies. Yeah. yeah. But I think the tension that you're talking about is what made it so special. And yeah. I also, I, I want to say this too, because it was so late. It was so late. When we saw this, we went to see it in a mall. Um, it was uh, the only like early screening near us. And all the stores had closed for like two hours. So mm -hmm. the movie was going to start at 11, which is way past the time I go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't tell Trey, uh, but... I was like, I think I might accidentally fall asleep in this movie. Like no way. Trey got some watery mall coffee to stay awake. Was not good. Um, <laughs> I told you it was not going to be good, but I had um, to have like oat milk or something in it. Yeah. Was it that? wasn't the oat milk. It was, it was the it watery was the, coffee. Okay, yeah. Right. Um, but I'm not exaggerating. If they had a second showing at, it was almost 1am when we got out of it. Might have stayed. Point, I might have stayed. Like, listen, y'all gonna get like, a substitute for tomorrow? I want to see this <laughs> immediately. Like, I want to see this again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was tired, but it was the first time in a while that I was really excited to see a movie. Like, I've been talking about this movie for weeks now because I think I'm all aboard the Jonathan Majors hype train. Yeah. And I was just excited to see another millennial filmmaker get a shot with a big budget movie. Like, this is a $75 million, probably $100 million movie, and Michael B. Jordan did not disappoint. Yeah. Obviously, he had a lot of help with Ryan Coogler back on the story and producing in this one and his brother, Keenan Coogler and Zach Balin writing the script. Like the script is actually what really works here, I think, because the writing makes this movie essential to the Rocky franchise. And I was really in Creed franchise. I was really worried that it would just kind of be 
all fight. Like it would just be like mm. Jordan bringing his anime sensibilities to the movie, which he definitely did. And we'll get into that. Um, but this movie does feel really singular and really stand out to me. Yeah. And Michael B. Jordan has been on so many huge sets, right? And mm-hmm. it, it seems like he's been able to bring a lot of successful pieces that he's learned along the way to make this movie really special as yeah. a sports movie, but also an emotional story. For sure. So let's jump in. Okay? okay. We start out the movie with a flashback of Donnie, Michael B. Jordan's character, and Damien, Jonathan Majors, as kids. Yeah. So apparently, I didn't catch this when we opened to. Uh, donnie's room uh growing up but apparently there was a naruto poster okay i didn't i didn't catch it but i guess someone saw i mean there's naruto like influences all over this film so that makes sense yeah and so damien is deemed the next like big boxer in la i think i didn't catch the official like for teenagers but yeah yeah, like an amateur boxer or something Mm -hmm. and when they're on the way home donnie runs into leon who was a foster parent at a home that donnie and Damien lived in growing up and Donnie starts punching because later on we learned that Leon was abusive. Right. And so then we jump, that was 2002. Then mm-hmm. we jump to the pretty Ricky fight, I think. Yeah. It's like already like Adonis's retirement time. Yeah. 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 And we then settle into Donnie's life as a retired boxer with Bianca and Amara, his daughter. And He's having tea That's and an really alligator yeah. onesie, you know, doing a lot of great dad work there. Yeah. And he's now a fight promoter for Felix, who's the new heavyweight champion. Yeah. Who I just want to shout out for a second because to be a character who's new to a famous franchise and is not directly connected to the nostalgia of Rocky and Creed, mm-hmm. I think is is tough, right? And I think the character is successful for the most part though. Yeah. I love the addition of Felix, but especially his mom, like just like a, mm-hmm. a mother son duo succeeding together. That was cool. But also in boxing, this is like traditionally a Latino Hispanic black sport. And these movies often rightfully acknowledge like how you were saying that boxing isn't a choice. It's a decision made out of necessity. So actually being truthful and what identities are often left to box when there are no other opportunities was really refreshing. Not that it's not like a creative endeavor. It is like how the movie calls it an art, which was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I haven't actually seen that before, but it's, you know, but it's often portrayed in Hollywood as like a white sport. Do you think that like 2023 Rocky is a Logan Paul? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, that's too mean. That's too (laughs) mean to Rocky. Yeah, No, I'm just kidding. No, Rocky's gentle. um, And yeah, you don't need to stick up for him. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We're doing a whole podcast. Yeah. yeah. I love Rocky. Okay. So I also loved Felix's mom in his corner. Yeah, Yeah. And then also, you know, Damien shows up played by Jonathan Majors, of course. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, he's so good. So good. We'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Damien wants to fight. You know, he says there's still gas in the tank. Mm-hmm. He wants to fight. Mm-hmm. And I think he's been out of jail for a week. Yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Adonis goes, come by the gym. And even though that was in the trailer, I got chills. Like yeah. when, when Majors goes from like tearing up to like, thank you, like all serious. I'm yeah. like, is this Heath Ledger mixed with Tom Hardy? Oh Who am God. I looking at right now? It's insane. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the Adonis Damien conflict. Yeah. That is the heart of this movie. Uh, so Damien comes to the gym, mm-hmm. right? And he is taking cheap shots while sparring with Felix and Duke. Who, I guess little Duke is like technically his character's name, yeah. but Adonis calls 
Duke's son, Duke. Right. So His I'm name just is gonna Tony. Call him Duke yeah, throughout call him this. Duke. Yeah. yeah. So Duke is like, this is not a good idea. You know, mm-hmm. he's taking cheap shots at our champion while sparring. And I forgot when it happened, but Duke was like really passionately telling Adonis that Damien needs to leave. Yeah. And then when Damien walks by, uh, he's like, well, don't stop now. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Um, you know, shout out Wood Harris who plays Duke an icon from the wire and remember the Titans. He's like a really great comedic timing that I didn't think Creed three needed, but it did need it. And it was really nice to see that. Yeah. He has some really funny moments in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see Damien and Adonis get closer, right. In, in the beginning of this movie, mm-hmm. And when he's over at Adonis's house, though, you, you like sense something's up, right? He keeps asking Bianca, is she sad for seeing someone else sing her song? And while I think that he actually does care, it seems like he does. He's trying to connect. He does care, but there is this interesting kind of like more toxic bubbling idea that Damien feels similar to this idea of watching someone else live his life. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're subtly like following these two similar paths with Bianca and Damien, uh, that are struggling with a similar conflict, Mm -hmm. but you can also tell that there's, I don't know if it's resentment is the right word, but there's something that, you know, he, he's not saying that Damien's right. not saying yeah. to Adonis and Adonis isn't able to fully like recognize that because mm-hmm. he is feeling like all this guilt, guilt right yeah. from his past. For sure. So then we have the, you know, plot pushing us along similar to Rocky one, actually where, you know, when Apollo has an opponent like drop out at the last second and that's why he wants Rocky to oh, fight yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Um, in this, we have Felix's opponent, Drago, right? He can't fight before the big match. Um, or Drago's son, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's also, Who's also a Drago. Drago. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in this case, Drago's hand gets smashed by an iron bar at Bianca's mu- music event. It was great editing. And in that scene. yeah, and immediately Trey turns to me and he's like, Damien knows the guy who did it. <laughs> Um, which makes sense because uh, Damien was like scoping the crowd, but you couldn't yeah. tell if it was because he didn't like know anyone and he was just like trying to feel out the room. It was right? the pushing on his face, the guy who did it. I was like, okay, uh. come on. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like we said, Adonis is really focused on like correcting his past, mm-hmm. but also not like really facing and dealing with his past because, uh, which we get more through Adonis's conversations with Bianca, but Adonis feels guilty, right? Because he ran from the police and Damien was arrested, um, and went to prison for 18 years Yeah, and Adonis never wrote him or called him, which will come back, uh, you know, later on with the conversation with Marianne, but because of this guilt, he really pushes the fight between Felix and Damien to happen, right? Mm -hmm. With the same kind of underdog narrative that we see in Rocky one. And I like when Duke in the gym, I forget at what point in the movie he says it, but he says, you know, Damien's telling you who he is. You should listen to him. That was really good acting. Yeah. Yeah. And because Damien takes those like illegal shots at Felix and really hurts him in the ring, similar to what we see Drago's son do last movie where he really hurts Adonis in the ring when the fight finally comes and he sees the outcome, it's like Adonis is like hit or like punched with like what is actually going on. Like, because he's trying to correct his past without really like facing it or dealing with it. Yeah, totally. And I think it's interesting how Creed three sort of 
parallels the original Rocky, like you're saying, even though Creed 3 has been compared to a mix of Rocky movies, like I thought I should note just a few people have said like three and five specifically. And I think when Dame asks for a shot at the title to Adonis and he compares the shot as an underdog to that of Rocky, I got really excited because that is what made the original Rocky such an appealing story was that underdog story, even if it is complex, often problematic. And we talked about that today. It is still appealing seeing it from Dame's perspective. Yeah. And I think Creed three is great, which we'll, we'll get into even more because Damien's underdog story is like an underdog story. That's more nuanced. And especially when we then look at like the relationship that these two people have with one another, Mm -hmm. but Damien is the new heavyweight championship Mm -hmm. and Duke says like, stay away from the gym to Adonis and Adonis goes home and he learns from Marianne that she kept all the letters that Damien sent to him while he was in jail. And Adonis says like, you let him think that I abandoned him. Right. And I thought that was really interesting because there's a lot that's happening. Um, so people might be like, Oh, Marianne like kept the letters, but really I think Adonis is upset with himself, right. For like not reaching out when he could have. Like he didn't need Damien to reach out to him in order for him to reach out, right? Right. He he could have done that himself. And so then he's just consumed with like anger when Miriam pulls out the picture, right? To show him that the guy who broke Drago's hand uh, was someone that Damien knew. Mm-hmm. And so he goes to confront him on the beach, right? Great scene. Great scene, yeah. And I love when Damien says like, I don't need you. Like you think I need you. I needed you when I was in jail and I like needed you after there were so many different times in my life that I needed you and you weren't there, but I don't need you now. Yeah. And when he punches Adonis and calls him baby Creed, which we know from earlier movies um, and I'll talk about my ranking, um, he obviously doesn't like, it's like disrespectful, but Adonis just stays on the ground. um, And he kind of lets that anger out. Um, on Bianca the next morning when she asks him about his past. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's actually like a really important scene that I'm excited to rewatch just because the traditional like masculine archetype would have fought back on that beach. And I was expecting like this brawl, like, Mm -hmm. like almost like a drunk brawl on this beach around this fire. Or like the Tommy gun Rocky. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And instead we see something way more nuanced and mature and seeing like Adonis walk away like that and feeling regret and and guilt it was just way more complex Mm -hmm. and then like i said the guilt kind of transitions into that next morning yeah and i think he probably stayed up all night right Um, but we have this side plot building or conflict building where adonis is having these conversations with bianca about opening up and Mm -hmm. when she's talking about opening up she is just asking him to maybe like move forward in a healthy way from his past instead of keeping it all inside because she sees that he is both in pain, but it's also, she's afraid of it impacting the family. Their daughter. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so the movie told us, right. That Adonis and Damien experienced physical abuse growing up. And that's kind of what he's like waiting to tell Bianca Mm -hmm. when he's ready. Um, But I also thought it was interesting because the way that Adonis was talking about it I also thought that the movie was written to talk about sexual abuse. So did I. Yeah. And oh really? Yeah. Yeah. And I I was actually hoping that they would tackle it. Mm-hmm. Um and not to compare trauma or or anything like that. I just thought 
that in a major budget movie, if done correctly, you know, would speak to a lot of people. I actually thought it was implied. Okay, interesting. I guess I'll I'll have to rewatch and like pay more attention. Yeah. But on a lighter note, um, we get Stephen A. Smith, <laughs> right? Got a lot of laughs in the theater. Yeah. And we have the the like call, the call in, which I feel like that was so great. Yeah. I wonder paper, if that worked for everybody. Yeah, yeah. On paper, I feel like that would be something that would be hard to execute or uh-huh. maybe wouldn't seem as cool, right? As someone like uh, essentially like confronting someone else. Cause that's usually what happens in the Rocky yeah. movie. Someone's just comes in from like the back of the crowd and they're like, Hey, I want to fight you. Yeah. Um, and majors is like, let's do this. Yeah. And Michael B. Jordan takes out his earpiece. I'm like, let's do this. This <laughs> is like the 2023 version of like, uh, I'm calling you on live television. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm putting you on the spot, not at like a press conference that maybe like some people will watch, but on live television, yep. uh, I'm going to ask you to fight me. And I'm also going to bring up, your dead father. And he's like, okay, yeah, we're doing let's this. Let's do this. Yeah. And then I think, do we go straight into the montage? We cut, I'm pretty sure literally into the montage. Okay. Are you sure? I think so. I have to, I can't completely remember, but the montage was amazing. Yeah, okay. Very good. Montage workouts are always fun. And especially in the Rocky movies with music, but the emotional stakes that, are tied to the characters preparing for this fight physically. That's what makes it different. so good. Yeah. I, I do want to say one thing though. MBJ is not that old. Like they kept <laughs> saying he was old. I didn't buy all that yeah, shit. Yeah, the beard. Yeah. <laughs> they tried to give my guy a beard to make him look old. Stop it. But yeah, the, the montage is incredible. When Majors walks into his gym and he has that strut that he has, like it's like this kind of like back and forth shoulders leaning on both sides. And then he hits the mat. I'm oh, like, yeah. let's go. I don't. I, I don't know who I want to win, but I'm ready to train myself. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to be training for, but I am ready. <laughs> yeah. Um, for the, for the old piece, like I just decided to go with it. You know, they had the like Duke voiceover of like, you know, how many uh, concussions have you suffered? Yeah, yeah. And like your ribs have been broken and like yeah. you're missing organs. And, like, <laughs> uh, but you know, they were really selling it yeah, they were. Uh, with the, the old face. I think they even just tried to do like makeup to give him wrinkles or I, something. Yeah. Th- I think they even said both your hands are broken. Yeah, I was like, like okay, sure. <laughs> you know, and uh, I went with it, but I really liked, you know, once he's like into the montage, he's in shape, shaved mm-hmm. the beard. Um, Michael B. Jordan's character, Adonis is looking in the mirror in the like middle of a desert. I was wondering that I forgot about that. And I can't remember now, like, was it attached to anything? Was it just a a mirror? mirror. That's what I thought too. So I thought that was interesting um, because in Creed one, right? Rocky says you're fighting yourself in that ring. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I'll leave you, you two alone for a second. And I really like that scene. Yeah. And he has Donnie, right? Fighting this idea in Creed one if he's like worthy. Exactly. Right. Yeah, and he yeah. says that I want to prove I'm not a mistake. Yeah. And then in Creed three, when he's looking in the mirror or fighting himself, he's like fighting his past and trying to like come to terms with his past and uh, fighting like guilt that mm-hmm. he didn't maybe reach out to Damien mm-hmm. um, or he felt like he failed Damien right when he was younger, even though uh, people in his life who care about him, Bianca was like, you made a mistake. Like you were young. Yeah. But I think there's also something within this script, right? that Adonis recognizes that if Apollo Creed wasn't his father, like his circumstances could be Damien's. Yeah, that's key, I think. Um, Going back to what you said about Rocky, I just, I feel like I should say, because people have been angry about this in reviews I've seen on Letterboxd, 
I don't know who these people are because I don't really care, but Rocky isn't really mentioned in this movie except for, uh, I think, one time. Mm -hmm. And I actually thought that was really smart. Aside from rumors that there were like some Stallone issues in pre-production, I don't know what that was. I don't know if those are rumors or real. I think it's for the best that they kind of move on from Rocky at this point. I actually think if you watch the end of Creed 2, like listeners, if you haven't seen it in a long time, I recommend rewatching it. It really works as a send off at the end. It does. I when we watched that recently, I I said, wait, are they saying goodbye to Rocky? Yeah, it feels yeah. like it's self aware. Like they play Rocky's theme when he sits down outside the ring after Adonis wins, mm-hmm. and then he finally goes back to visit his son and acknowledge his missing father son relationship, which is the whole Creed two theme. Right. So I'm totally fine with him not being in this. Yeah, and like you said, like he waits outside the ring yeah. and he's not like in the moment, right? He's like yeah. passing on the torch or exactly. whatever. Yeah. Um, and then also I read somewhere that there was like a shadow mention, you know, there's one scene I can't remember where it was, but Adonis has a shadow coming off of his body. There's like a shot. Do you remember that? Wait, in Creed three? Yeah. Oh, I don't remember that now. I think in Creed three, but so uh, I think they were talking about the idea that, they were like mentioning a shadow of Rocky. I saw that more uh, because Adonis talks so much about Creed being his father mm-hmm. as like him coming to terms with his identity and like having uh, this like shadow looming, but like accepting. Okay. Shadows are a big deal in Naruto. So like, that's the oh. first thing that came to mind for me. Okay. But I, I like the idea of the looming Maybe, thing. I don't know. We've watched so many <laughs> of these back to back, like yeah. Rocky and Creed. So maybe I'm wrong, but I thought so. Um, but Okay. Overall, I loved the emotional beats of Adonis and Damien's relationship. Too, yeah. They're almost like the like tethered oh my in God. Jordan Peele's Us. I literally wrote that in my notes for no my way. ranking. I thought it was like smart. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote down, I was like, oh, this is a good reference. That's crazy. <laughs> no, yeah, you're totally right. It is. Yeah. And I guess that adds to the symbolism of the shadow or the mirror. Hmm. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, let's go ahead and talk about the fight. Let's do it. So people were like going to the bathroom, right? There were so many people in our theater and they were running back to their seats (laughs) when the the fight was going on. And the stairs were also really steep in our theater. So maybe that, you know, contributed to this feeling, but I felt like I was at an actual sporting. Yes. The IMAX makes you feel like you're in that baseball stadium at the end. Yeah. And the fight was so good. It was incredible. Yeah. Oh my God. And personally in Rocky movies, um, as we were, we were rewatching them, I'm never sure what round it is, you know, like 100% agree. where we yeah. are. I can't really tell who's winning, you know? <laughs> and, uh, but here I was just like really invested emotionally in each character for the fight mm-hmm. where normally, um, I'm more so invested in Rocky, um, or I'm invested in like Apollo when he's fighting Drago. And in this fight, it didn't really matter, um, as far as the like punches yeah. uh, and as far as a sporting event, because the emotional blows were like really hard to watch and, and built within the action sequence, the writers make sure, you know, that no one is winning here on yeah. a deeper level. Right. And we have this roaring crowd go completely silent mm-hmm. uh, and Adonis and Damien are alone boxing, which at first when that happened, it was just so abrupt um, when the crowd was cut out that I was like, huh, I'm not sure if this will work for me. I said the same thing to myself. Yeah. And then though, when we have the images where the jail cell like shows up and then when Adonis punches Damien, we get that image of Damien on the mattress, right? Mm -hmm. Where we saw earlier, uh, that is 
reminding us of the physical abuse that they both went through as children. And so it was a fight that was like layered emotionally. And so when Adonis wins or reclaims the belt, it doesn't really feel like he wins. Right. Yeah. It feels like Damien lost. Yeah. It kind of feels like Adonis lost too, which is what I wish the movie doubled down on even more, to be honest. Yeah. I thought the same thing. So let's go ahead and talk about it. Like Mm -hmm. at the end of the movie, it was really nice to have Adonis and Damien share like a moment with each other Yeah, where they say what happened to us when we were younger wasn't our fault. And I liked the idea of both the individual characters like facing their past and also facing it together. Right. Uh, Because they have a shared trauma, but besides them like moving forward in a healthy way as individuals, I really liked the idea in the movie of the tethered, right? Right, Like this idea that, Damien's path could have easily been Adonis's path, right? Like I said earlier, if he wasn't an Apollo Creed son, but the movie gets a little bit away from that. Um, At one point where Adonis and Bianca talk about how Creed or like Adonis Creed deserves what he has. Right. Um, Which like, I'm not saying that Adonis as a character doesn't deserve something, right? It's just more like the choice of the word deserving within the context of legacy and wealth as he's about to fight Damien. Right. Um, feels that, misplaced. Yeah. It just feels like a, an interesting like choice of words because um, we obviously see the idea and the movie is obviously like aware and talking about the idea that people aren't necessarily like deserving of their circumstances, like Damien who is born into unfair circumstances. That's so interesting. You brought up that scene. Cause that was my, my main issue with the movie. Cause I thought that was such an odd scene after the mom's funeral mm, when yeah. Bianca, oh, that's when it was right. Yeah. Yeah. Like Bianca sits on the bed and Adonis is on the bed and she tells him that he needs to protect what's his and his empire that he's kind of built. And that kind of felt like the wrong message in this kind of movie with these themes, because the themes are interrogating whether or not Adonis actually deserves his life and privileges while so many suffer and I, I don't think the movie is actually that nuanced as it wants to be at the end and how it handles that conversation. Though I do like what you're saying, like how Adonis and Dame address how neither of them are the reason they had issues growing up, but rather it's like implied that the systems were put in place to make sure their life would be difficult. And I thought that was good and smart, but I think MBJ could have pushed a little bit harder on privilege. It kind of seemed a little superficial when it came to wealth and power. Well, he didn't write it though, right? No, but I mean, director. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Let's go ahead and get to our extra credits. Let's do it. I think it's my turn this week. Okay. So my extra credits go to the fight. I think it deserves more recognition. I have a small issue in every Rocky or Creed movie, kind of what you were saying earlier. I like how they play music and they're showing the rounds of boxing, but I never really know what's going on. (laughs) And I appreciate the montage, but I kind of get taken out of that a lot of the time. And in this movie, we have this experimental choice where rounds, I think two through 10 are shot like a nightmare Mm -hmm. or like a Naruto Dragon Ball Z fight sequence. And they are like in this shadow realm or something. And I thought seeing them fight one another symbolizes like them fighting themselves, really kind of bringing that mirror or shadow theme all the way home. Mm -hmm. I thought that was very effective. Also just the choreography in that scene and those slowed down shots paired with the great editing was amazing. Like Adonis getting punched in the gut and his eyes are like bursting out of his face in IMAX. That was so sick. Like huge anime vibes. I've never Wait, seen anything I like that. I think I missed that. You eyes bursting out of his face? Yeah. You don't remember that? When Did I blink? You're seeing the crowd again. The crowd's back in this scene. Okay. 
and Dame is like kind of telling him like, come on, let's do this. Like in okay. like round 10, he like almost stopped playing defense. And as soon as Adonis goes to swing, he gets him right in the gut. Like Dame gets Adonis yeah. right in the gut. And then Adonis is like head like oh yeah the, over. I saw the back shot yeah and he like opens his mouth all the way and his eyes get super like oh, massive okay yeah that is anime yeah so wow, I've, ne- okay. I've never seen anything like that on screen it was like cartoonish and the sweat looked like it was coming out of the screen I thought that was incredible yeah that's great I think it will be interesting to hear how people uh feel about that like nightmare sequence because yeah. again like uh, what I guess for both of us when I first saw it I was like I don't know if I'm going to be into this. And I think if it were a little bit longer, I might not have been. Um, also people who are not used to watching anime, like it might be jarring for them. I was going to say older audiences might be out on it. And I totally understand. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I really liked it too. So I think that's a great extra credit, especially because it will be talked about, but um, yeah, it just deserves more recognition. We've never seen anything like that in a sports movie. So no, yeah, uh, mine is the montage. Yeah, I knew and it was going to be the montage. This is, He's pulling a plane. Yeah, <laughs> a plane punching trees, which is also, I think you said a nod to Naruto. Yeah, well, but, a bunch of anime, yeah. Yeah, and I think the montage is like obvious. Like everyone's like, you know, love montage. Okay, I get it. Yeah. But I was so emotionally invested in this particular montage because I knew the just emotional weight of their relationship together. And like we said, you know, even though Adonis wins at the end, he doesn't really win. And so I think the the kind of friendship um, and just, just the stakes for both the characters was like really motivating besides just seeing like a sick workout scene and transformation. Right. And it cements the universe because Drago comes and like helps. Oh, yeah. Breed out. Yeah. Which is pretty sick. He's like, should we stop? Like, yeah. should we? <laughs> yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. Okay. So let's do our extra extra credits so this is what we think deserves even more recognition or some kind of like nitpicks that we might have so i wanted to talk about amara Mm -hmm. um bianca and adonis's daughter i really loved the the actress um i i loved like the scenes of her hiding the ipad watching his fights and him like showing her how to like punch Mm -hmm. um in the gym i think the her name is Mila Davis Kent, by the way. Oh, yeah. cool. Thank you. I think the like fighting at school and wanting to fight was something that more so pushed um, Adonis's character arc. Like it was something that was uh, another piece of evidence for Bianca to say, hey, like fighting your way through everything is not the right answer. And so like, yeah. you need to talk to me or need to talk to someone about it. Like you need to go to therapy um, or just just open up before you let it destroy yourself um, or let it just the unhealthy habits kind of like destroy our family even. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think that we'll get more of the daughter storyline as we go into the next movie. I'm assuming four will be a large part of that. Yeah. Yeah. And then also I wanted to give an extra, extra credit to Bianca, like struggling with music. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was something that was an underrated part of the movie that she, she was going through something like really tough and, Creed, uh, you know, Adonis Creed, like wasn't able to fully see it because he was really focused on what he was going through. And, uh, and frankly, she, I don't know if the audience will really see it either. Cause even though they bring it up and it is like a theme of all these movies that what she's going through and like, she has a skill set where Adrian wasn't given anything to work with. Like she mm-hmm. has a creative endeavor. She has like an art she loves, but even though there is stuff in here for her character development, it just feels like they're like, like here's five minutes worth of character development. Yeah. That, that is one of my biggest nitpicks of these movies is like, none of them know how to treat women at all. Like yeah. that's very clear. Yeah. And Creed obviously like 
treats women better than the Rocky movies, which Absolutely. we'll get into in our ranking. But yes. still, like we have this idea of Damien saying, like, "Hey, I I recognize like you're you're struggling right now," and then also like Bianca is coming to peace with uh, producing music instead of being able to sing it right, mm-hmm. and like still feeling creative through that. But um, it seems, yeah, like kind of this this side uh, character arc that is ultimately like pushing towards Damien mm-hmm. um, and Adonis's relationship and, and conflict. Um, and then we also have Marianne's death here. We always have a death in the Rockies, right? Yeah. This was really sad, but I think the quick cut scene, this was like one of my, um, the things I didn't really love about the movie. There was a quick cut scene when she died to her bed being, uh, you know, made after okay. she was sick and talking to Adonis. I thought the the scene before where she's like talking to Adonis and then calls him Creed was really Apollo. emotional she calls him Apollo. or yeah sorry apollo um creed is yeah. really emotional i was surprised about how impactful that was because like she hasn't gotten a lot to do in these movies and the fact that like she did well, as soon as she said apollo i found myself going oh wow yeah and michael b jordan like you know i think we might have said it on this podcast before but like he's had good performances and he's had other ones where we're like being critical of them but this is mm-hmm. like one of his best scenes i've ever seen in his work yeah 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 but the quick cutscene that jumps to telling us okay she died was too abrupt for me yeah and so it didn't like give me the full emotional weight for some reason like i I don't know what else could have happened but for some reason that like snap um took me out a little yeah okay those are good extra extra credits i really just wanted to note that i was happy to see like little drago back uh (laughs) that was the main thing was like i liked his character i thought wish he got more to say and i like that he's like a part of this universe um, and I'm just very curious to what other Creed adjacent movies could look like. Do you think we could get something with Damien? It seems like Jonathan Majors is not afraid to like sign big contracts, seeing what he's doing as Kang with the MCU, but it would be interesting to get a Damien movie. Yeah, a movie would be great. I wonder how these spinoffs would work though, like technically, just with like funding and everything. Mm-hmm. Do you think we would see like prestige television shows? Oh God, or? I hope not. It's so hard <laughs> to cover all the television we're covering right now already, especially what we have coming up. I'm excited, but it's going to be a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, succession is coming. Yeah. Um, but yeah, last thing, and I, I would have to double check this, but we went to a screening where we saw like a live carpet event. It was really cool. Yeah. Live, sorry, red carpet event uh, while the movie was premiering. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, the actress who plays Amara uh, said that Michael B. Jordan and Tessa Thompson learned American Sign Language for the role. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong or maybe I misheard it, um, but I want to give extra, extra credit to for representation. Yeah, and she might be a boxer in the next movie. True. It's yeah. coming. Okay, let's get to these rankings. Okay, so here's how we're going to do it. We're going to do it like our M. Night Shyamalan pod. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what we did with Steven Spielberg pod, uh, but... We are doing nine movies and we'll go from the bottom, obviously, uh, to number one. Nine to one. Yeah. And we will wait to talk about the movie um, when we both have it on our list. So if I say this is my last movie and you're like, oh, this is coming up later on my list. I'll wait to talk about it till we get to it. Exactly. Okay. Let's do it. Number nine. Should I go first? Sure. I have Rocky five. Okay. Okay. I have... But I think I'm going to shock people. I'm kind of surprised. Is it not Rocky five for you? I have uh, Rocky Balboa. Wow. <laughs> okay. No, it's not too surprising. That's... Okay. So we'll wait to talk about this when you have Rocky Balboa on your well, list. Well, my number eight is Rocky Balboa. Okay. My number eight is Rocky five. 
perfect because now we can talk about both <laughs> okay, of these. Okay, let's talk about both. So let's start with Balboa, I think. Sure. Okay. Let's so Spider Rico eats for free. <laughs> That's number one. Um, I loved that. Yeah. But the reason that this was my last one on my list um, is I just felt like it was strange. Number one, that Rocky's so old, mm -hmm. right? Um, it's just unrealistic that he could hang in there for that long. He's 60. And it felt like this like dream um of like of men saying you know i could still <laughs> do this if i wanted to yeah, and yeah. uh so i just like realistically couldn't buy in um and then i do love though like when duke trains him mm -hmm. um and i also love the idea of him kind of like just thinking about his past and adrian's dead in this movie it's really sad yeah like really emotional yeah and we get that really great emotional scene with Polly saying like, I can't revisit this anymore with you because I didn't treat Adrian well. And this is too painful for me. Yeah. A really good scene. The ice skating rink scene is, is brutal. Like yeah. when he says, I don't want to relive my past because I was terrible to her. I mean, that performance from Burt Young is exceptional. I loved it. Yeah. And then we have also like the emotional ending with the crowd cheering on Rocky. Yeah. Which was, was cool too. Um, but I just felt like it didn't work for me because of the the idea that Rocky was telling his kid, like, I'm doing this for me, not mm -hmm. for everyone else. But it also didn't make sense because, like, basically when he met, you know, the, I forget the actor's name, but I know him as Jesse from Gil Gilmore Girls. <laughs> <laughs> um, when he's telling Robert, his son, right, yeah. he's like, you don't need to prove things to people. Um, like you just need to do you. That's why I'm going back to fight. People love when this he monologue. asks him to not. Okay, I I like the idea uh, that he says like, hey, uh, you know, life isn't about how hard you hit; it's about how hard you yep. get hit. Exactly. <laughs> how hard you get hit and keep moving forward. Okay, cool. Um, you know, just. <laughs> you know, endurance, uh, like Be perspective, resilience. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. But at the same time, it's confusing because Rocky, like, bro, you have like brain damage. Yeah. Why are you like, why are you going back into the ring? If it's not something that you maybe haven't dealt with, like being sad from Adrian or like, I, I totally get like wanting to finish something or having yeah. a passion, but he literally has brain damage. So what? Yeah. I mean, I, so the movie just didn't make sense to me. Men will box at 60 instead of going to therapy. It's a real, it's a real issue. Um, yeah. I will say what works for me, why it's at number eight and not last, even though I respect that it's last for you because that is a take. People, I thought, I thought it was a take for me. Be angry. They will, because there is a monologue people love in this movie. I do think people romanticize this film unless you've seen it recently and you like it. Good for you. I'm serious. But like, if you haven't seen this recently, it just didn't work. I thought it really would. I was disappointed. I will say what worked and made it number eight for me and not number nine was seeing Rocky in front of Adrian's grave. It like hit differently mm -hmm. now that like we're together. Like as a kid, when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's sad. And now I'm like, no, Kelsey, do you see he keeps the chair and the tree? Yeah. I would do that too. And it is like really stressful to see that. Um, but you know, you're right. When the movie is about Rocky trying to find himself again, it, it struggles because like he's trying to be like a father figure helping little Marie who's not little anymore. 
and he's like boxing Mason and he's like telling his son to like work harder and stop crying. <laughs> and uh, I think the movie loses me completely when it, when he's, when it's doing that, it becomes really preachy and oddly like very weird, like not as much problematic as, as more of just like kind of a cringy movie, like the emotional beats with coming to terms with mortality really work, but all the kind of like father figure stuff really just doesn't work to me. Yeah. And also there's this moment where, um, Mason Dixon is like, Hey, listen, like this is an exhibition exhibition. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's like, I'll take an easy on you. Like I'll respect you. Like you're like a fighter who's beloved. Just like, don't do anything stupid. Don't try to hurt me. Like I'm in my career. Right. And Rocky's like, nothing's over till it's over. That's right. And there's a funny thing where he's like, is that from the eighties? And he's like, that's probably the seventies. <laughs> funny, funny line. But at the same time, like what? Like yeah. it just felt so weird especially what we talked about at the beginning of the pod with like the rocky through line um it felt i think what you said is cringy is the best way to put it um that he can hang in the ring for that long uh but rocky five let's do it let's do it the cheesiest of the rocky movies so this was last for me so i should probably go first yeah um first off i love the street fight I don't care what anyone <laughs> says. I think it's awesome. Uh, but I think this is last for me because the Rocky movies get more and more self-obsessed <laughs> and I can only feel so bad for this guy. You know, like this one basically struggles because of that. I do think though, the best part of Rocky five is actually Sage Stallone, who who is now dead. That is Sylvester Stallone's son who plays Rocky's son in the movie. He was a great kid actor and I liked seeing him train to beat up those kids. And then he ends up <laughs> being friends with them. I thought that was yeah. all great. But ultimately, this movie just feels very inessential and didn't add that much to the lore of Rocky. Though I wish Rocky did bring up Tommy Gunn as a reason he didn't want to train Adonis in the first Creed. That really bugs mm. me because I think that would have made Rocky Five a little bit higher in my ranking, maybe right above a Balboa. Instead, I think future movies try to forget this one. So it's at the bottom for me, even though I would argue that Rocky five is a good movie and there isn't a bad Rocky or Creed movie. Well, that's what I was going to say. So before I talk about Rocky five, I think when I was talking about Creed earlier, it feels like if they took away Rocky Balboa and added Adrian's death uh, into Creed, they could have okay. just skipped Rocky Balboa to me. Yeah. I think it, most that people felt inessential to that. me Yeah, where Rocky five, where it was cheesy, like I said, um, I don't think it's as bad as people talk about it. Uh, Rocky was in a tough spot in this movie, gets swindled by his accountant. I guess Polly <laughs> actually messes it up by giving yeah. power of attorney. But like, wh- why is Polly also in charge of their finances? Like he's currently, he currently needs help, right? He's struggling with addiction. Why yeah. does he have access to this? But I don't know. Uh, Adrian's also confused. She's yeah. like, how did you get access to this? <laughs> also, Rocky has brain damage yeah. again. Maybe that's and why. I don't know. He can't fight anymore. Uh, he, even though he does fight at the end. And he lives. He's also supposed, supposed to be blind. So there's a lot of. Yeah. We'll talk like, about that when we get further down. Or I guess yeah. we can talk about it now. He, uh, it was Rocky one, right? Where Rocky he was like, two. Rocky no, no. two. He starts losing vision in his, I think it's his right eye. Oh, and they're like, if you fight again, yeah, Mick like slaps him blind. Yeah. I thought that was Rocky one. No, two. Oh, you're right. Cause in Rocky yeah. three, they're like, you can't. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 So there's a lot of things that I guess just are, you know, skated over because he fights in Rocky Balboa again. The lore gets messed with a lot. Right. But anyway, uh, he has brain damage. He can't fight anymore. So he's living through none other than another white boxer, um, <laughs> from Oklahoma. I think Tommy, yeah, Gunn. Tommy Gunn. And Rocky wants his kid to like have a different life than he did, which mm-hmm. is interesting. But 
Rocky's in a low place and he feels like he let his family down and he thinks that all he has to offer is boxing and he's like pouring his time and energy into Tommy Gunn. He gives him his kid's room. <laughs> yeah. like, um, I love that scene at the end where he's like, yeah, like he took my room. He took my room. Yeah. It's a quick edit too when yeah. he's like beating him up. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> and, you know, Tommy Gunn just wants too much too fast. Yeah. You know, he gets set up with this really stereotyped like boxing manager. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And Tommy also wants Rocky to fight him. Right? right. And Rocky won't because he has brain damage. Yeah. But uh, Tommy also like punches Polly. And that's the moment where Rocky's like, yeah, I okay. got to beat your ass now. That's yeah. like what happens. And yeah. um, Rocky's a street fighter as they let it be known. And Rocky yeah. fights Tommy and what feels like a shot, like a live action teenage mutant Ninja Turtle movie. Do you mm -hmm. know what I'm talking about? No, that's funny. Yeah. yeah. And then Robert learns to fight, I think on his own. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He does well from getting his ass kicked. Yeah, he learns yeah. how to fight. <laughs> yeah, he learns real quick. Yeah. Uh, but so Rocky way. Five is my number eight. Yeah, that's a great choice. Okay, number seven. Already off the board, can I say Rocky Balboa and Rocky Five? This is where I think it gets complicated because I was a little okay. bit worried you'd have honestly the other movies in the eight or nine spot. Mm -hmm. And then I thought this would be a kind of a mess for both of us because we wouldn't have any kind it's of hard. We'll talk about the end at the crossover end. Like, here. It's hard to also think about like how I'm ranking them. Okay, number seven. I have Rocky four. I also have Rocky four. Oh, this is perfect. Yeah. Okay. We have the expedition, mm -hmm. right? Where Drago kills Apollo. Yeah. And Drago says, if he dies, he dies. Nice. And I can't believe they did that. Like just killing a major character. And mm -hmm. I can't imagine like seeing this in theaters and experiencing that. I just feel like it would be it a was shock. Probably devastating. Yeah. 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 And we have all these interesting, uh, you know, sequences to open it up. And along the way, as Drago's training, you know, whatever Drago hits, he destroys. Yeah. Um, I think people will rediscover that Drago is actually a robot. And that's the real <laughs> plot of this movie. Uh, but Drago is just such an interesting character. Um, and the reason that this movie is lower for me is because of like the ending or the message in it. Yeah. Um, so very weird. Yeah. Let's, before we get to the ending, let's talk about Rocky deciding to fight Drago. Uh, okay. Adrian says, you know, when everyone says you can't win <laughs> and then Rocky's like, I can win. I'm going to go to a cabin with Duke and Polly yeah. and I'm going to work out. I'm going to climb a mountain. And then he has all these like funny snow <laughs> workouts. Him running through the snow <laughs> is genuinely some of the funniest shit in the whole franchise. <laughs> and Drago's like cut to Drago in a laboratory, like just, you know, this perfect specimen, the perfect athlete that Rocky is going to beat because he's better than the perfect athlete. Yeah. But I, I ultimately love all the montages, so nothing against them, but it's just so funny. Like we have these moments of him like lifting. I think it's like a hay barrel you know with like everyone sitting in it sure, <laughs> it's yeah. so funny. i'm still confused how rocky won yeah i've seen this movie like 10 times and rocky know. gets a beard yeah i actually like the beard yeah yeah um but yeah we get a lot of lines that are annoying uh where rocky's like i've never asked you to stop being a woman adrian don't ask me to stop being a man yeah okay and <laughs> uh also at the end it feels like uh, this line wasn't actually written. It was just like, if someone didn't know what to say and got super nervous, he's like, if I can change. Oh my God. You can change. I had this written down too. And everybody can change. 
And, I, and the Russians are like, okay, stand and clap. Everyone stand and clap. And like the message of nationalism is just so weird. Very and, odd. And, you know, like the head of like Russia clapping for Rocky's message. So yeah. weird. Um, avenging Apollo, I get but turning it into, he didn't, this is the biggest thing. He didn't even acknowledge Apollo when he won. It's so weird. He it's doesn't say so Apollo's name when weird. he wins. Yeah. Like this is for Apollo or his like family. Yeah. It's very odd. This he has two America. children I and a wife. bleed red, white, and blue. Yeah. Very <laughs> odd. Listen, if you're a listener and you grew up during the eighties, I totally understand why you love this movie. And I totally get why it's in your top five. I have things I like. I think Tony Burton as Duke training Rocky is the best part of this movie. And Creed living through his trainer to push on Rocky is kind of something I wanted more of. And weirdly, I found myself cheering in many moments in this movie for Rocky to like destroy Drago after seeing Apollo die, even though that's very problematic and having him die, Mm -hmm. which is obviously like, again, messed up. But Rocky three, I think is so effective in getting you very close to rock and Apollo's relationship that seeing Apollo go out like this feels so unnecessary because he basically is killed because of his own hubris. And, you know, I've already unpacked a lot today why that's complicated in the writing. So I just wish Apollo could have gotten kind of the Adrian coma treatment that we're definitely going to talk about soon. Mm -hmm. Uh, Instead of being used as this like motivation, like, you know, Creed's death for this motivation for Stallone to keep making these movies. And I think the final thing I'll add is I think it's genuinely the funniest thing in the franchise when Rocky gets like, I think it's like the the head of Russia to stand up, yeah. like the leader of Russia to stand up and start clapping. It is very, very funny, but because it's so unintentionally funny. Yeah. Like that make, adds another whole layer to it. And I love yeah. that. We were laughing at the end. Yeah. So, um, and also we were like, what, what is the no mention of Apollo? But yeah, so that's why I think it's probably uh, lower on our list. Although I do know like this is at the top of some people's list. And again, like, yeah, I get, I get it. it. I yeah. do. Okay, number, number six, six. You can call this one. Rocky 2. Wow. I have Creed 2. Whoa, okay. Rocky 2? Okay. Yeah. I love Rocky 2. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. okay. Number five, Rocky 3. Okay. Mine is Creed 2, so we can talk about Creed 2. Okay, let's do it. So a lot of people love Creed 2. I've already seen people say Creed 2 is the best of the trilogy. I've I, seen that too, yeah. I don't understand that because like... Okay, so I'll say this. When Adonis is all beat up in the hospital mm-hmm. and he screams at Rocky to look at him, love that. Like, I understood why that means a lot in the text. Yeah. And subtextually for, like, how Stallone treated, like, the character's father, Apollo's character in the end. But this movie is just not great for me. Though, I, again, I know why people love it. I just wish it was more about how Adonis was struggling to accept he was becoming a father because he didn't have a dad in his life. That's where I thought the story was going, hmm. but it never fully goes there. And I thought it was going to be more about the family and the unit and Bianca, but it wasn't. And instead Creed two, I think is repeating a theme from the first Creed, which is fine about like accepting his name and his dad's legacy. But this time Adonis can get like revenge by fighting Drago's son, which I didn't even think was that corny, like Drago's son coming into the play. Like, of course it is at first, and it feels like a big Iron Man 2 vibe at the it beginning does, of the movie. It feels like a Marvel movie because he's yeah. staring out for so long. It's the way that it was shot. It was the way it was shot, yeah. But, you know, I, I kind of liked the whole son and complicated dad relationship at the beginning. I just wish Creed 2 wasn't so obsessed with, like, this confusing message about accepting your name and heritage to an overly complicated place. Like, all the men are obsessing over father and son relationships in the movie. Like, not just the like, the creeds, but you have the Dragos, but you also right. have Rocky and his son. 
And it just felt kind of tiring. Like even Rocky not being able to call a son, I'm like, just call him. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? We <laughs> haven't seen this kind of like uh, this struggle they're having in their relationship. I guess a little bit in Rocky Balboa, but not really. So that didn't totally work With for me. With Rocky and his son? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I guess the parts I like and why it's this high is the weird desert training sequence. I thought that was fun. And I guess that was supposed to be like the snow Russia montage from Rocky four. Mm-hmm. I think we got the best Rocky Creed theme mix in this montage. Like the ASAP mix into the Creed theme is mm-hmm. pretty sick. We probably used that in opening this pod. Maybe we did, but I, I really liked all of that. Um, and that's about it. And I, I just like the Creed series. And so that's why it's this high for me. But I, to me, it, it doesn't really touch Creed three or Creed one. Yeah, I agree with that. And I mean, I think it's in pretty similar places for us. Interestingly, like you have it at six, I have it at five. But ultimately, the movie felt like it followed more of a like traditional sports movie plot beat Mm -hmm. um, in this one. So I wasn't as emotionally invested as I was in Creed 1 or or Creed 3. And we open, right, three years later from Creed one where Donnie loses to pretty Ricky Connellan. Mm-hmm. Is that his name? Yeah. And we open with Donnie fighting against Danny, the stuntman Wheeler. And I felt like the way it opened, um, just felt really like Hollywood movie to yeah, me. Yeah. Um, where I I'm like in this franchise for like the emotional beats of the character. So when he ends up winning the heavyweight belt, it just felt so quick and then I think the proposal to Bianca also felt weird because I just didn't feel like that's how their relationship was. Like he was asking Rocky for advice. And I was like, bro, we got to talk about what happens earlier with Rocky. What he thinks is like courting Adrian. Cause like Rocky doesn't know shit about yeah. this. Okay. <laughs> and so yeah, don't that, take advice from my that guy. That just yeah. kind of felt weird. I think maybe because we just watched all of Rocky. Yeah. Um, but so I, I was just like kind of, it was abrupt to to start instead of like the character beats that I love. It was also weird to see Adonis regress that much. Like, cause like Bianca asks like Adonis's mom, like, how do I talk to Adonis? And yeah. I was like, what do you mean? How do you talk? You guys were so good. in the first yeah. movie, it was like a perfect, yeah. it was, it was such an evolution of what the relationships were in Rocky. Yeah. Yeah. It was great communication. Yeah. And then Bianca wants to go to LA, but Donnie doesn't want to leave Rocky. And we see Drago, uh, like you said, it was really Iron Man. It felt like deleted Marvel scenes uh, yeah. footage. And he's living in poverty in Ukraine because he lost uh, in the fight in the Rocky franchise. And he's like training his son to box. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Creed wants to take this fight and Rocky says he won't do it. It's not a good idea because Drago killed his father. Like everyone's against it. And I agree when he gets really hurt right? Like Adonis gets really hurt. I, it was really um, emotional like yeah. to see that, um, especially with him and Rocky's relationship. And he's like, you are not there for me. Mm-hmm. And I think something that I also noticed, I'm not sure if anyone saw this, but uh, what's uh, Drago? Drago's son looks totally AI. Like yeah, looks, looks like CGI'd. a video game character. Yeah. And I was thinking about it today um, when we were watching, he showed up in Creed 3 too, or Whenever we watch Creed 3. Sorry, we're yeah. doing this really late, this yeah. podcast, by the way. It's like almost 2 a.m. right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, but when I saw his face, I was like, okay, it's the sh- not only the shape that I think video games have, but he also has no pores, okay? Yeah. That's why he looks AI. <laughs> um, or not AI, CGI. He yeah. looks like a video game character. So I can't, like, I can't stop looking at it. It looks like someone 
like a, an avatar. And he doesn't look like that as much in Creed 3. So it is kind of confusing why he looks like that in Creed 2. I don't know. I don't yeah. get it. Anyway, but yeah, you're right. Uh, Creed trains in the desert. We have another weird kind of montage of like hammering the ground. Yeah, Does that's that got to hurt the shoulder blades. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's like the best technique for a long term. Yeah. Um, and then we also say the have the like goodbye to the generation. What I thought was, you know, Rocky saying bye, going to see his son, going to see his grandson. I did like when he says like, you look like your, like your grandma. Yeah, it felt that like was really there nice. was it was a closing of a chapter because Donnie and Bianca bring Amara to Creed's grave. Yes. And so. Yeah. That that was uh, I thought that was like a closing chapter that I, I really liked, and I think it was this movie where Donnie walks out to Icon Living. Uh yes. Okay, is. that yeah. was also great. Yeah. Yeah. But okay, cool. so that was number six, Creed two for me, and it was your number five. Number five. And for my number five, I had Rocky three, and for Kelsey's number six, you had. For my number six, I had Rocky, Rocky two. two. So I, that's wait. crazy. Oh wait. Okay, I guess we're going to number four. Okay, number four. Rocky three. Okay. So we get to talk about Rocky three. Should I say what I have at number four? Yeah. Okay. This is pretty controversial. Rocky. Whoa. Okay. Cool. Okay. So Rocky three. Rocky three is my number five. It's your number four. I'll go first. So first off, Mickey dying is really sad on Mm -hmm. rewatch. I kind of forgot. We don't really learn much about Rocky's parents, but Mick was basically his father figure. And I obviously wish it wasn't Clubber Lang who accidentally had a role in killing Mickey, which is this kind of like subtle yeah. thing that happens that nobody really talks about in the racial politics of this movie. That is like another added layer of this. But what I think makes Rocky three good is that it's secretly the first Creed film to me. We have the best performance, I think, in the entire Rocky and Creed franchise in Rocky and three. And that's Carl Weathers as Apollo. I think he did such a good job of trying to humanize Apollo. And much of what Apollo says in this movie isn't really on script. And his job was more complicated than what I think Jonathan Majors had to do as Damon Creed 3, even though Majors is incredible. Mm -hmm. I'd say Majors is like right behind Weathers as the second best performance in this franchise. But to me, Weathers and Rocky 3 is what makes this movie work. And I think Rocky 3 isn't higher than 5 just because of the movies that come after, like the next four movies to me are great. And the, the bottom, you know, four or five are just good. Um, but to me, I think Rocky three should have been the final Rocky movie, which Hmm. uh, might be a little bit complicated for people to hear. I love seeing Rocky and Apollo have a secret fight in the final moments. And imagine if the franchise would have just ended there with them punching one (laughs) another in the freeze frame. Yeah. I like four five and Balboa, but I think three is really the last really good Rocky movie until Creed starts in 2015 and Stallone never needed to kill Apollo like he did. And I think the Creed franchise would literally benefit from having Carl Weathers. Yeah. It would be really nice to see about the, about the performance like note. I think maybe the difference there is like, I mean, Jonathan majors, it's hard for me because he's so good, Yeah, but I think you're right. in the idea that his character is written. So we are empathizing with him. Right. And I think that Weathers doesn't have the same, I guess, writing, right. For audiences to like empathize with his character or understand. I mean, he's written as a villain. Yeah, exactly. He makes you sympathize with his character and he's, and he tries to come off as more, of an antagonist because of his feelings mm-hmm. toward rock, but yeah. he is written like a villain. Yeah. So I, I get what you're saying there. I really loved the training montages here Yes, and yeah. Apollo training Rocky in LA. 
He let them. He let him win that race. He d- he totally did. Definitely. We did. said that when we watched it. I think that was our letterbox review. He yeah. did. He he's let like him. my guy Rock needs some confidence. Yeah, he, he, he just needs bit. to believe he can win. And we have that like Rocky and Adrian scene on the beach. Like you know he's afraid. And then the beach scenes, just many of them. The Rocky Apollo friendship. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know they're like running on the beach. Uh, they're dancing and hugging in the ocean, you know, doing footwork together in front of the mirror, uh, which Rocky is terrible at. But then at the end, they're like in sync. Yeah. So I really liked those scenes. Yeah. Yeah. For me, um, no way he beats Clubber Lang. Okay. I just, that was, I don't know. I just felt like he wouldn't. But I also get that Rocky's whole thing is like, I can get punched forever um that becomes like a power in this movie specifically i think like he gets up when he's like put down a lot mm-hmm. in the first two movies but rocky three all of a sudden like he becomes like this really well-spoken affluent person who can all of a sudden be like invincible when he wants to yeah uh, and that is a new skill plus he's not blind which he was going blind yeah in rocky too so just totally written out yeah. and then the apollo rocky secret fight obviously was the Iconic. hulk hogan scene in this movie yes that was this one? It was one? at the top. Okay. You want two minutes to talk about that? <laughs> no, I just... Uh, Kelsey kept I'm going... Embarrassed. <gasps> I thought it was re- I thought it was real. Yeah, she's th- Hulk Hogan's <laughs> throwing Rocky around. She's like grabbing my shoulder. I think he's going to break his back. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so also though, just this is our Mick sign-off, right? Yeah. And we have a great, you know, first scene or it's at the beginning there where he's like, you know, Mick, Clubber Lang's just another fighter. Mm-hmm. And he's like, ah, no, he ain't. <laughs> He's hungry. <laughs> He'll knock you into tomorrow, Rock. Um, great scene. That's really good. Uh, okay. Number four, I had Rocky. Kelsey had Rocky three. Okay. So number three. Number three, I have Rocky two. Okay. I have Creed. Okay. Wow. So we got to talk about Rocky two. Yeah. Okay. So you speak on this because you had Rocky two all the way at the bottom. Yeah. At six. Yeah. Okay. So. I think the reason I have it at six. Yo, Adrian, I did it. Is the, is the whole like, I guess like sick part, Adrian going into a coma um, while she has like complications from giving birth. It just got really slow in there for me. Okay. Um, so I mean, I liked this movie, you know, we open up with Rocky in the hospital and Apollo wants a rematch and it's because Apollo is like getting hate mail, Mm -hmm. right. That the fight was fixed. Yeah. And he's like, I won, but I didn't beat him. Which, tough writing from Stallone. I think he writes one of the cards to say, like, you've, you're a disgrace to your own people. It's oh, like, my oh, my God. Oh, my God. Sylvester Stallone, let's chill the hell out. Wait, but that was a, like, deleted scene? No, that was in the movie. That was in the movie. Did I? He says it, and he throws oh, his cards. Oh, the, and his wife you, is like, his wife mail. is like, let it go. Yeah, and the then mail. he throws all the okay. mail. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, whoa. And, yeah, but then Rocky tries to, like, advertise and and get in, on into commercials yeah. and also get an office job. And this was the part I liked about the movie Loved because yeah. he can't get a job, right? And Polly gets him a job working at the meat place, right, the company. Mm-hmm. And I liked this because it appeared last movie that Rocky had achieved the American dream, right? Yeah. Like, he got a chance. He was an underdog. He, like, fought his way up, hard work, whatever. But in the aftermath of Rocky two, we see that like people are telling him to stay in his lane. Like he didn't actually achieve what, what the first movie was talking about, even though he lost the fight in the first one. Um, He's continuing to do manual labor 
or fight. Like those are his two options. Mm -hmm. And so also, you know, the, the threat of going blind isn't here anymore. Um, but we have Adrian and Rocky get married, which is nice. Well, no, this is when the threat of going blind happens. That's why he's working oh. physical labor. Yeah. That's why he's doing all that. What? No, no. Yeah, it's that's he why. Can't get a... he, no, no. He can't get a job. Oh, no, you're yes, right. But my, yeah, he my doesn't bad. go back to boxing. My bad. It's Rocky three. Okay. You're yeah. right. So, but then we have like Adrian and Rocky get married, which is nice. Mm -hmm. And then Adrian's sick. This part for me was just like too long. I don't know. Um, okay. So, and, and then when she, everyone when she says wakes that by up the way. Yeah. And says, when yeah. <laughs> it just felt a little too, too much. No, you're wrong. Are um, you done? Can I go? Can <laughs> wait, I wait, wait, wait. And then, um, you know, once Adrian gives him permission to fight, um, we do have, another montage scene where he's actually serious about it that I did enjoy catching chickens, uh, crushing ligaments with, you know, logs on his back and mm -hmm. all the, all the kids in Philly running behind him and schools he, out. He does win in the end, but I yep. think that, I don't know. There was something in the middle that felt like off to okay. me. And then also him winning when the creed set up at the beginning. I don't know. Okay. Can I have five minutes? Yeah, all right. Go so for it. First off, when Rocky is scream crying, yo, Adrian, I did it. Yeah. You're telling me you don't need tissues in that moment? I didn't. When she said like, I love you, I love you at the end, I was like, I'm not I'm not in it. Okay. When we finished the movie, I said, I think this will be my number one on rewatch. Whoa. And something happened where I watched the end of the movie again and I misremembered the movie because I always thought Rocky said, yo, Adrian, we did it. And if Rock said that, Rocky 2 might have been my number two or number one on my wow. list. But it's at number three, literally because Rocky says, I did it. Like, mm. bro, what? Was your partner not just in a coma carrying <laughs> your son for nine months? Did she not just work in a pet store to afford your fancy ass car bills and <laughs> your tiger jacket? Get the hell out of here with you, Adrian. I did it. That made no well, sense. No, they had the, he went on the like shopping spree before that. And then that's why they had to. Yeah. 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 But he bought all those things. He had to sell his car he didn't even sell his car he just let paulie pay off the rest of the monthly payments on it didn't true. make any sense yeah. bad bad business decision yeah he should be saying we did it or you did it but you know in saying all that i was still bawling throughout this movie again listeners know emotional movie watcher but this one gets me crying the most i think and then probably the creed number one like the movie hypnotized me a little bit <laughs> because it is a great movie and unlike most people i don't think it's great because the second half because I agree with you. I think the second half is where it kind of struggles for me because of the way he wins against Apollo. I love the first half of this film when it's the most quiet and we're just watching Rocky try to assimilate in middle-class culture. He's really struggling with his identity. He's trying to find work and he inevitably finds himself quickly pushed back to a disadvantaged class forced to do physical labor again. All of that really works. And I think for all the American dream propaganda of this franchise, whether it's purposeful or not, this movie does a great job interrogating the gaps in our economic system, like accidentally, I think. So I appreciate it for those reasons. And I think those are often overlooked. Also, by the way, when Adrian says win, I'm like ready to go work out or something. So <laughs> she's telling me to win. I'm like, okay, you got Why it. Why would she wake up? She didn't want him to fight, right? No, she didn't. Okay. And then she's like, when okay well he got a lot of sleep when he was at the hospital he, he did a lot of praying <laughs> he's not blind anymore he's good those eye problems disappeared uh in future no, films wait i'm getting confused with the blind story plot he goes blind at the beginning of rocky 2 mickey slaps him in the face to show him that he's going for blind. rocky 3 though he that's why he can't fight 
No, what? Rocky three, he's scared because <laughs> Clubber Lang beats him to death almost, and Mickey dies. What? Yeah. Oh my god. Okay, so wait. Ro- the blind plot is at the end of Rocky two. Two. You're telling well, me. Well, no, it's at the beginning of Rocky two. He's in the hospital after fighting Apollo Creed from Rocky one. He goes that he almost goes blind. That's what he's told. And then he keeps on getting in car accidents. Like he's like hitting, not car accidents, but he struggles to drive. He like hits his trash can outside his house because not because he can't drive, which he says it's because it he's going because blind. He hadn't like driven before. Oh my God. No, it's because okay. he's going blind. Ah, he's hungry. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't been hungry since you won that fight. Okay. I'm the, apparently the only person who really loves this movie. <laughs> what did you have? Number three, you had Creed. Uh, I had three Creed. Yes. So we'll wait till we get to that on your Wow. List. Okay. We have really different lists. Okay. Uh, number two. Number two. Creed three. Creed three. Creed three. Wow. Okay. Whoa. Wait a second. Interesting. Wait, what do you have at number one? I didn't keep track. Okay. Anyway, Creed three. Let's, we already talked about it. I think that Creed three is everything I want from a Rocky movie. Yes. We have the fighting scene, which is incredible. Again, I said, I felt like I was at a sporting like match or, or game mm-hmm. and even though like Creed won, he yeah. didn't win, like we've said. And I really loved that. And especially the tension that we have between the characters where we actually know the person who is fighting our protagonist or mm-hmm. who we understand our protagonist to be. And it complicates that kind of protagonist antagonist arc uh, where we really understand Jonathan Major's character. Yeah. Um, I really like Adonis realizing how his trauma is on a spectrum in this movie. I know Mm. we've talked about it, but I think him coming to terms with what his life could have ended up being like when he sees Dame again after 20 years is really special writing. I think it's a story that I know Coogler has been obsessed with and waiting to tell since we saw all those black boys in cells in their original Creed movie and the introduction sequence who could not leave Juvie like Adonis because their fathers weren't Apollo And that is a really powerful thread to connect back to the third movie in this trilogy, even though Coogler isn't at the helm and it's MBJ this time around. I think much like Rocky three, I'm kind of hoping Creed stops here at Creed three. I know we've joked about Creed four and all the side movies, but I feel like Creed three ending it here would make a lot of sense to me. My only knocks on Creed three and why it wasn't the best, because I think technically it's the most well-made, but why it's not the best. I almost put it at number one. I almost did too. Yeah. It would have been, bad on our parts as like podcasters and talking yeah. about film and television all the time. I think we've been living too much in the moment, but I was really close. Me I was too. back and forth. Yeah. But I do think it's too short in places. It needed more emotional weight. Like when Adonis gets Dame in the championship, I thought we were going to cut to Adonis going to tell Dame the news at like his, his motel or whatever. And we'd see him get kind of emotional and immediately get to work. Mm. Those emotional beats would have made sense to me, but instead we just like cut right to the fight. Or like maybe at the end, I wish we got like a longer conversation between Adonis and Dame after the fight. Like I don't want to talk myself into cutting any of the other scenes like with the mother or the daughter subplots because those felt essential to the story. But I just wish it was like 10 minutes longer because it's like right under two hours because I just didn't get it as emotional as the first Creed. So I kept waiting for that to happen. Okay. Number one. All right. Do I want, do you want me to roast you now or later <laughs> after this hour and a half podcast listeners heard me tell the history of the Rocky and Creed franchise. My number one is yeah. Creed. What yeah. is your number one? My number one is Rocky trader. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So let's, uh, okay. Talk, let's about talk about it. Rocky first or Creed. First. It's kind of cool. We have a Rocky versus Creed thing here. That's yeah, pretty cool. Rocky was my number one and Creed was in my number three. 
I think you should probably explain yourself. Rocky was my number four. Okay. Uh, so I think you should probably, or, or should I go first since it was lower for my list? Let's. What do you think? Yeah, you talk about it first. Okay, so I know it's very controversial for having Rocky this low at number four. Kelsey did it. Rocky number one is what most people do with their list. Okay, so you're trying to say I'm basic. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I do think Rocky is like a four-star, like, heart favorite movie. It's just like, you know that scene where Mickey comes to Rocky's house and Rocky is evading him the whole time? And when Mick leaves, Rocky's like punching a door saying, yeah. oh, now you want to train me? Where were you when I was like a kid, when I really needed you? And you're like, oh, shit, Rocky has been through some things. Yeah. And then you have this like layer of people like Polly being this alcoholic struggling to pay the bills and... He wants Adrian not to end up like him. So he pushes her out of the house in the most horrible way possible. Mm -hmm. And he becomes like legitimately a bad person. But his character is actually like really well written because he's so depressed and deeply cynical. Like seeing that parallel between Rocky and Polly, I, I actually think like that was a great snapshot of what living in an economically disadvantaged community does to someone who is who is struggling. And then with Adrian, like Talia Shire isn't given enough to work with like yeah. ever in this franchise, but she does so much with a look and her eyes. And she really is the emotional weight of the franchise to me and doesn't get enough credit for her work in this movie. But ultimately, I think all these plot beats about this like this small story get kind of like left behind as he goes to the fight, as he gets closer to the fight. Um, and so I think it's a little bit lower for me on my list. I think Rocky 2 kind of corrects a lot of things from Rocky 1, except maybe the, the final win. Um, and something that's always not set, sat well with me at the end of the first Rocky movie is how ambiguous the end of the movie is. Like with who won, I think it makes I, me uncomfortable. Yeah, I asked you. I was like, it. "Wait, who won?" <laughs> yeah, I think it's interesting. You ask the question, like when you leave the theater, probably when you saw it in the, like whoever saw it in the seventies. But to me, it's like something that's a little bit more like uh, just doesn't sit right with me about that. It's almost like Sylvester Stallone did not want to make it clear that Creed won and deserved to win. It hmm. it made it seem like it was like, oh, Rocky uh, lost that because yeah. Creed okay. has been this like this boxer for all this time. So. And you heard that. me talk about the racial politics of all this. So like, I'm, I think Rocky is fine being in like my top four and being one of the great Rocky Creed movies, but it's not my number one. So now tell me why it's your number one. Yeah. Okay. I like that. I like your take on the ending and I think you're right, but this is my number one because Rocky loses. Okay. That's a really good argument. So, you don't even have to say anything else. That's really good. <laughs> I just think it, it stuck more true to like what the Rocky franchise was trying to do that. It continued in the first half of Rocky two mm -hmm. um, with him not being able to, to get a job. And so I like that at the very beginning, we open up to Rocky starting as a fighter in like church basements. And yeah. when the, the person goes to give both the fighters, Spider Rico, the, the checks, right. He's like, okay, here's the check, like minus the locker payment, minus this, yeah, yeah, minus yeah. this, right? And like, There's we like see bucks. that this is something that is not, I don't know, this like romanticized uh, occupation or right, like, oh, yeah. these two people are boxing each other. Like, no, they're sitting like in a church late at night, like getting a specific cut of something that and just sitting in a, in a room together. It's something they both like have to go through. It's yeah. not, they're getting paid to borderline, like murder. It's not the other. montage that we, we picture. So yeah. I like that. Right. And then Rocky starts as like a muscle, right. For, I think he's like a loan shark. Um, Gazo, yeah. Yeah. And he is stopping by the store to visit Adrian. Like we have a, a slower pace to this movie that I appreciate. And then Polly, right. Struggling with alcoholism and he is feels stuck. Like he feels like he has no hope 
for the future. Yeah. And you don't really like see a lot of hope for, for him because his other option is just to do what Rocky's doing. Yeah. And I like that the movie's focused on poverty and doesn't feel as Hollywood eyes of the American dreams, uh, American dream as others. Yeah. Um, obviously like there are certain places in this no, movie. No, I think you're right though. Where it does feel like we're on a set. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. multiple times you can see the light shining on them in a certain way. So yeah. it does still feel like this movie that is created, but the others, I can't explain it. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll think more about it, but feel more shiny in a way or yeah, feel like up. there's a, it's a sequel, right? They're part of a boxing sports movie mm-hmm. where the original Rocky uh, feels a little bit more interested in the threads that we were talking about before, right? Literally the movie follows this American dream uh, plot, I guess, but the movie is also focused on creating a narrative of the American dream at the beginning, right? Like even if, it was real for Rocky. Mm-hmm. We still start at a place and are developing the story of Rocky to see that in the environment where he grew up, like that situation is not the same for people who live in his neighborhood. Yeah. So like, even if, you know, there's that ending where he did achieve this, you know, quote unquote American dream, it still isn't real for, for most or majority of people. So I liked that idea. Um, and then I also like in the second movie, as that part two where we actually realize, Oh, like, no, he's still stuck where society has like placed him. We also have the training montage. Right. Uh, and I love this one. I think the Rocky movies are all trying to get back to this training montage. You mean the Creed movies? No, not the Creed. Movies. Oh, the I'm, future Rocky. Yeah. Movies. I'm, I'm separating the, the, uh, Creed movies from gotcha. this, okay. but in the Rocky specific movies, besides the Rocky Creed, like friendship montage yeah, yeah. <laughs> training. Cause that's awesome. I feel like all of the Rocky movies are trying to recapture this. Okay. They're that, still successful. This, but. this was a really good argument. You almost convinced me um, <laughs> again. I think the ending is, there's something a little bit more sinister about like us not hearing that Apollo one. And I think that just throws me off every time, but I guess that would be a good argument for why Rocky two should be lower on my list and not as high too, because of the ending. So I, I do like the idea of rock losing and the whole thing of, of being about like him proving to himself that he should be there is good enough. And that is a win. Um, so yeah, that theme would make sense and him winning does become more problematic throughout the series. Yeah. Okay. Wait, we got to talk about one thing yeah. while we're on Rocky, the Adrian thing, the Adrian. Yeah. It's yeah. Really okay. Tough. So throughout the Rocky, you know, franchise, just the Rocky movies, I do appreciate the quiet relationship that Rocky and Adrian have. Like, beyond this movie they fill each other's gaps yeah um there's still some things like i talked about with the quotes later of like let me be a man but whatever uh you know that dialogue was maybe from like those stricter gender norms alone went through different marriages he's writing different scripts at different times you never you don't know yeah. yeah so but anyway this scene with adrian is so just and creepy isn't even the right word. So bad. Um, Rocky, my guy, have you ever heard of consent? So like, what is the intention from Stallone in, so this, in this scene, you think? I think that if we're giving the, the, benefit, movie, of the, the benefit of the doubt, yeah. right? It's trying to say that like Adrian, you know, is, is a shy person yeah. and Rocky allowed her to come out of her shell. Yeah. He gives her self-respect. Yeah. Still terrible writing, yeah. right? Like it's just, it didn't age well. Yeah. It's condescending. Yeah. Um, even if that was the intention at minimum. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's <laughs> and, um, 
if you rewatch it, it's really like a horror movie, right? She says literally, no, she doesn't want to come in. And she says, I don't know you enough. I don't feel comfortable. Yeah. If you cut that scene together and like through some like David Fincher, like editing together with yeah, some horror real horror movie. music yeah. on there, it would be really scary. And he's like, not even saying, I don't want you to leave. He pressures her to stay and like blocks her from leaving. Yes. Yeah. And he gets angry and he's like, I don't feel comfortable either. And, mm-hmm. um, if, this it is a situation of like fear so anyway yeah he's like um, preying on her it is a very complicated scene to like watch after kind of like having this long relationship with like him and like adrian because they've had this family together and like this is how the beginning of their relationship started this is really problematic yeah it's really a tough scene um like it goes beyond the idea of like didn't age well but Anyway, uh, we also have the ice skating scene, which was nice, but Rocky like dominates a lot of the conversation. Talking and so, about boxing a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just weird. Um, Rocky kind of seems like annoying to, to be with, even if, it, and he's being written as like being someone for Adrian to like help her come out of her shell. But it's strange because the performance, she, even though she might seem shy, she's mm-hmm. actually very direct. So it's one, confusing. One cute thing is he like shouts her out on the news. Oh the yeah, and then he, she's yeah. like, "Oh, why did you do that? You didn't have to do that." And I thought that was nice. And when they do start like being together for longer, like yeah. past the holiday time, they are really nice together. Yeah, and then also I, I do like the idea of Adrian like advocating for herself more with Polly as she feels more comfortable. And honestly, I just think it's not the shy idea. It's like she feels loved, right? Mm-hmm. Like she feels like she has some sort of purpose where she maybe felt hopeless before too. Yeah, and at the end, Rocky doesn't really care like that he won or not. He cares that he's in love. Yeah. Yeah. He's like calling out to Adrian. Yeah. Yeah. Famous lines. Okay. My number one was Creed. Okay. Let's talk about it. When Adonis says he has to prove it to himself and Rocky says, what do you have to prove? And Adonis says he has to prove to himself that he's not a mistake. That Mm -hmm. was incredible. Like legitimately had me freeze. And what's crazy in the original Rocky, like you're saying, he wants to prove to himself that he can go the distance really for self-interested reasons. And Adonis wants to prove to himself that he deserves to kind of live mm. and be free. And that's so much more nuance in the script to me. And You're I convincing think convincing me. Yeah, it really <laughs> spoke to me. And I think Michael B. Jordan's best line de- delivery of his career is in that moment where Rocky's like talking to him in the ring right before the end of the of the boxing. And and you know, in Creed, he loses too. Like he loses that fight. And yeah. I think that is also kind of forgotten. And it kind of takes that plot beat from Rocky, but I think it it evolves it. And this movie being about reclaiming a legacy and identity and agency is perfectly executed. I'm already kind of like regretting saying that I would have Creed 3 number one because I just think Creed 3 doesn't fully develop its themes. And while I think the themes are more interesting in Creed 3, Creed 1 definitely fully develops its ideas. And, you know, the final thing I think Creed does really well is I can't really speak to this from personal experience, obviously, but I've read and listened to black critics on the subject but like the way Creed casually introduces authentic black details, like Adonis fixing Bianca's braid and the small details around her room. And then you have the subculture of Philly with the ATVs, like all of that would have been left out by a white filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And I'm not looking to virtue signal by saying any of those things work, but it adds to why the movie feels real, truthful, purposeful, like for the first time in the Rocky franchise, I think. So Creed is my number one. It kind of corrects the whole franchise it restores the films in the name of Apollo Creed. I don't think people, we probably wouldn't be doing this podcast if it wasn't for the Creed movies yeah. of Creed number one. And we probably wouldn't have Rocky this high if it wasn't for Creed, the first movie. And I think most importantly, it restores the name of Apollo Creed in the culture. And 
probably in real life, most importantly to Carl Weathers and his legacy because Stallone already got his. He's got like his Oscars. He's got his money. Carl Weathers doesn't get all those things. He got his character got killed. And so he doesn't Mm -hmm. get to come back in these Creed movies. He's not making money from these Creed movies, but these movies are built on his, you know, legacy, which really sucks. So at the very least he gets like his recognition for like his character that he's most known for. And I think that's why this movie will probably live on as the most important of the franchise. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. You're making me think, I think you're right in saying that if we didn't have Creed, we maybe wouldn't be doing this podcast because it corrects a lot of things about the franchise. Uh, and then also I maybe wouldn't have Rocky like that high. Yeah. Well, it contextualizes Apollo. Yeah. And so it lets you like Rocky a little bit more Yeah, because of that. That's true. I I think that, that you're probably right. Like the Rocky in this movie is different than like the Rocky Balboa. Right. And I, yeah, I really like their relationship too. I like when Rocky is kind of, he, when he finds out he has cancer, he Mm -hmm. says something like we're not family and just watching how Adonis takes that and the the relationship that Rocky and Adonis have with each other too is, Mm -hmm. is really good. And like, it feels deserved. So I like that emotional aspect too. And Bianca. Yeah. I really like uh, Adonis and Bianca too. I I think think, more in Creed one than any Creed movie I've seen. yeah, Yeah. I just felt like their relationship was organic and they were like communicating. That's why it was confusing for me to see in Creed 2 the proposal idea of yeah. him like not knowing what to say to her. Uh, so that that was like strange to me because it, it felt like they were communicating so well and she was like establishing boundaries when she needed them, especially when Adonis finds out that Rocky has cancer. He goes to Bianca's show and he, someone calls him like baby Creed. Yeah. Right. And he punches him in the face and that's like the opener for her show. Right. Mm -hmm. So like we have those threads of masculinity continuing in the Rocky Creed franchise. But, uh, then, you know, she says like, that's not okay. They actually like talk about it. He says, you're right. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are consequences and it's a very realistic conversation because, uh, Adonis tries to do some like, F boy shit. Like he tries to say Rocky has cancer. Right. And she's like, and she I, shuts the door. Yeah, she's, she's like, like I, I have my own career. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to talk to you. Yeah. So I liked that too. Um, and I think you're right. Like it was my favorite I, part of their relationship where in Creed three, it felt like she was more of a device for him to like reflect and yeah. for her to keep saying you're not reflecting Yes. Um, instead of like being her own character fully. So ultimately I like everything you're saying. It's not number three for me. It's still really high. Yeah. Um, when Rocky gets cancer, though, it's over very quickly, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have the Creed Johnson shorts, which are cool. Yeah. yeah. And I think I was really worried the Johnson last name wasn't going to be on there. Yeah. Because that was a big subplot in the movie that I was like, I don't know about this whole thing about like he had a, a mom who died and his last, her last name was Johnson. Mm-hmm. And then he drops it very quickly for a father he didn't know. I thought that was a really weird subplot, mm-hmm. especially with the masculinity involved. And then when they show that last name, the double last name, I'm like, oh, this movie's different. Because yeah. like it is really thinking about every every part of this script. Yeah. And I think the the point that you made that Adonis is searching for his identity uh and and just coming to terms, right? Like mm-hmm. with Creed, like the name and mm-hmm. himself and um and, and the verse. idea of him feeling like a mistake. I yeah. Mean, that, especially now that we know the context of him going from like home to home as a child. Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Actually, yeah. Creed 3 brings so much more context to, to this. I'm sure Creed 1 will be even more Creed emotional 1. on rewatch. Because yeah. Of Creed 3. I think you're right. Yeah. And then verse Rocky where he is more so 
doing this so he can prove it to himself. Yeah, um, versus Rocky, when I watch Rocky 3, I'm like pissed that I go watch Rocky 1 because I'm like, what happened to you? <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, right, so cool. that was a lot of fun. Uh, why don't you go ahead and read off your nine, and I'm going to try to pick one that I was surprised by, okay. and then I'll read mine. You can pick one for me. Nine, Rocky Balboa. Eight, Rocky 5. Seven, Rocky 4. Six, Rocky 2. Five, Creed 2. Four, Rocky 3. Three, Creed, two, Creed, three. A lot of the numbers <laughs> are getting confusing. And number one, Rocky. So I think six, Rocky, two hurts, um, like I mm. said earlier. And I also think it's just interesting that you have already said that Rock, that Creed, three is the best Creed movie, mm-hmm. which I respect because I really thought about it. But that is pretty cool that you've already like I almost you've made it. You committed. Not it this pod will live one. forever. Yeah. We won't talk about this this series until Creed four, if there is a Creed four. Yeah. So I I think that's a good call because it is like technically I think the most impressive Rocky film and Creed film. Okay, my top nine: Rocky five, number nine; Rocky Balboa, number eight; Rocky four, number seven; Creed two, number six. Rocky three, number five, Rocky, number four, Rocky two, number three, Creed three, number two, and Creed, number one. Yeah, I think I was shocked by Rocky one being under Rocky two. Yeah, I think a lot of people probably will be. Yeah, I'm I'm feeling fine about it. I I feel (laughs) fine about it. I like the whole kind of like I made it to the middle class and I don't know how to handle this and I'm having an identity crisis and I fall back like. And now I'm in a disadvantaged place. And how do I handle that? And like, who goes back to work? Just like dealing with all those things. I know Mm -hmm. people don't like the first half of that movie, but I think it really, really works. And also just showing like the plight of people who are having to like work in physical labor and like what happens to Adrian. And like that, I think is like an underrated aspect of the movie. I think it gets lost in the whole coma of it all. But I think that is an important moment. Um, So yeah, I love Rocky too. And that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was fun. That was a good time. All right. Cool. No quotes. You don't have to. You don't give me any. No, mic. I did all my mix no impressions. <laughs> I'm all out. <laughs> Yo, Adrian. <laughs> okay, that was the Rocky and Creed franchise ranked. That was the cultural significance of Rocky and Creed, and that was Creed three in review from the Extra Credits podcast. This is Detroit. And this is Kelsey. Peace. Bye. Screaming at the world till she prank up Two middle fingers to you all till I'm dead and gone